Hi everyone, welcome back to Chat Shit Get Fit Recovery. This is the series where we explore various methods of recovery, giving you our thoughts and bringing you the latest scientific data as well. This week, we are joined once again by the incredible Coach Dean Hammond. And with him, he's bringing a four-step action plan to getting a better night's sleep. Of course, we can all agree that what works for, for one may not necessarily work for someone else, but these actionable steps are truly incredible and it was you know, really interesting for us to hear Dean break them all down for us. Before we get into his action plan, we discuss our own sleep hygiene and we take a closer look at some data on sleep, including how it helps body composition and the power of naps. I mean, this is a pretty long episode, but going off some of the polls that we did conduct, you know, we, it looks like we all need to hear this episode and we all need to take action to improve our sleep in both quality and duration. So let's get into this week's episode. Hello boys, welcome back. Good evening, gents. Hi. Good evening. Welcome back, Dean, for the, I think it's the third time now we've got you back on the poll. Is that correct? Is it three times? Maybe. Maybe two or three. I think it might be two. I think it's three, because I think you're the most we've had on. We've had Colleen on twice, and I think you've been on more than her, so I think that's... Well, maybe it is three. In fact, yes, it is three, and I'm over the moon to be... What were the other two episodes? Let's let's recap some of the new listeners. What were the other two episodes you spoke to? I think you did the Miss one, didn't you? The Roundup. Life. Sherbalife, oh, yep. Boombod, Skinny and Candle. Skinny Candle. Ah, Skinny Candle. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, and then it was the Myths one, wasn't it, when we did a roundup of all the myth remaining box. myths. Yeah. Yeah, really we went full send on myths. That was good. <laughs> you did, indeed. That was a, that was a good episode. But yeah, it's good, good to have you back on. Uh, the reason we've got you on today's episode all about sleep is because you did write us an article on the chatshitgetfit.com website all about sleep and your sort of top tips for getting a good night's sleep. We're going to go into them later on. We're going to go through all the various sciences of sleep and talk about our own sleep patterns, but then we're going to, Dean's going to talk us through his top tips and how he thinks you can get a better night's sleep. What is sleep? Obviously, I think everyone knows what sleep is. Do we? I don't. I Go on, don't. Then, I mean, Andy sleep. have kids. We've Dean got has kids. kids. Dean's got kids. He probably runs on like hopes <laughs> oh, and dreams like the rest of us. Yeah. What, what oh, is I sleep? What <laughs> I see where you're going with this. Yeah. Bill, Bill with his well, 14 hours a day sleep. <laughs> I don't actually get that much sleep. I'll be honest with you. Um, you don't but need it, you've we, got we no kids. Some, uh... No, that is true because I get those texts at five in the morning yeah. asking for those I'm citations. Man, Why would I be sleeping when I've got things to do, you know? I mean, it's, it's not a good mentality to have, but... Even like putting the novelty to the side, like generally we do get texts at like 3am where he goes, oh lads, I'm just editing this bit of the podcast, it's really funny. <laughs> it's like, mate, I'm trying to fucking have a snooze. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my, I can see my wife's beady eyes because my phone's on loud, it's going beep, beep. And my wife's just staring at me red-eyed like, it beeps again, you're getting stabbed. And I'm like, please, oh, Bill, yeah. please, Bill. Andy, you should again. not have told me that. You should not have told me that. <laughs> I get the aggro as well because my phone's on like the maximum brightness setting. So when it goes off for like 3am, it's like the London Blitz, like the spotlights, so it just fucking illuminates half the street. And my missus is there just like, what the fuck is going on? Is that Bill? Yeah, because she knows. <laughs> we definitely need to talk about some habits with regards to screen time in this conversation. Don't By we? the sounds of it, our sleep hygiene isn't very good. I mean, oh, mine's all right. Depending if my kids go to bed. Let's how much sleep do you got on average, Andy? We'll go, we'll go around the room. How much sleep do you got on average a night? So I go to bed at 10, sort of half 10, and I'm up at half five every day. Is that 10 a.m.? Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't even go to work. <laughs> uh, just sack it straight off. About seven, seven and a half hours. Okay. Uh, Dean, what about you? 
I'm out, on average. Yeah, on average, I'm around about eight in a bit hours. I try to. That's good. Oh, um, that is good. Especially what you're because kids. To be fair, what you're doing at the moment, I know you're doing all that, some quite high-level performance stuff in terms of weightlifting. So I know, obviously, for you, I think sleep's obviously really important. So I'm get, it's probably good you're getting at least eight hours. Yeah, and I think when we talk about it, there's a lot of things that help me get that as well. It's not yeah, just... that's good. And I'm sure we'll go that's, into the conversation. I mean, that's the reason why you've got you on the podcast, Dean, because you're probably <laughs> probably the most afraid of sleep. You Tom, are the sandman. You? Uh... The sandman. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, what's your um, sleep look like? How many hours are we talking? Well... Depressingly, I'm depressingly. Is that a word? Okay, depressing. But it is now. We've trademarked that. Depressingly, I'm looking at my Fitbit app, and uh, I I average on. To be fair, I'm doing quite well at the moment compared to the beginning of the year. Uh, six and a half hours. Okay, yeah, that's probably quite average for a lot of people. So, so for me, it's quite interesting because I've got an app called um, Sleep Cycle, and it like sort of listens to your to your sleep. And what when I put it on, like the alarm for it. It normally says I'm going to have about seven and a half hours sleep when I go to bed. But when I wake up in the morning, it says time spent sleeping. It's normally about six and a half, six hours because it only registers you when you've actually gone to sleep. Because you know when you're awake in the middle of the night and you're tossing and turning or you're, you're laying in bed trying to get to sleep, it, it registers that you're not actually asleep yet. So it will take that off your actual time sleeping. So if you go to bed and think, oh, I'm going to get eight hours now, technically you might not be getting eight hours because of the time you've spent getting up in the middle of the night or the time it took you to get to sleep. So this, this is saying I'm on average, I'm getting about six and a half, which isn't good. And the reason for that is we'll probably talk about is my phone admin, but we'll, we'll come into that. I also asked a lot of our Instagram followers their, their sleep patterns. And I'll be honest with you, it's not, it's not looking good for the world of Instagram and sleep. So I asked, are you on, are you on your phone slash tablet right before bed? A whopping 86% of people said yes, which was a surprise. And then I said, um, how much sleep do you get on average? And 79% of people said zero to seven hours. And so I the majority of people there are getting less than seven. I guarantee all of those people that would have said that are doing some form of physical activity as well. Yeah, because most of my followers are physically active people. So it, as you said, it's quite worrying, especially when we get into more of the data and stuff on performance and the benefits of sleep. We're, we're all actually doing ourselves a disservice there. We're spending Massive. all this time on these other little gizmos and gadgets and not spending enough time on the, the core principles such as sleep. Two of the answers that I got, they said they're in bed while scrolling through Instagram and the only reason they answered is because they couldn't get to sleep. That was literally their <laughs> That's answer. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> all right, yeah, Sam. <laughs> so they answered yours. They answered your poll on sleep because they couldn't get to sleep. Couldn't get to sleep because they've been staring at the phones too long. Like, I was like, oh, so sound. Do you oh. think if you actually explain the science to them that it would change? No. No. Exactly. I don't think so. And that's the I biggest thing. So. Have to change the behavior. Yeah, we have to change. Have to change the behaviour, and so I mean, we're going to talk about some of the science in this episode, just because that's what we're going to do. We're going to give out some data just to give a bit more oomph to it. But we are actually going to give some practical. Well, Dean's going to give some more practical actions, uh, steps you can take to improve your sleep. That's what's important, really. We can tell you all this study says sleep's good, but I think most people will agree, regardless of what science says, is that we need a good amount of sleep. Yeah. However, people aren't really sure what they're doing wrong or how they can do things wrong or they just don't they're, they're not prepared to take the steps or maybe they think it's too overwhelming it could be a magnitude of things um we'll start with the data though i mean dean's drinking a pepsi max there we now have video don't we so now we we have proof that he was drinking it as well we can't just like slate him under the bus put so it on youtube dean that is on youtube uh, and that needs to get tagged 
It's fine. And if you could edit it what? so it's a full fat can as well, that'd be mega. I, so I was going to say, I'm going to edit it so it's a full fat can. <laughs> I'm going to see this weird shot on every image. Yeah. This yeah. <laughs> if we could go one step further and uh, edit like a red ball into his hand instead, uh-huh. just for shits and gigs. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Love so it. your table in the background, Dean. I'm just going to cover it in cans of Red Bull. It's Do just it. going to be. It's going to be I littered. Mean, I, I can stick some stuff on there now if you want. I'm sure there's stuff in the cupboards. Yeah, I mean we can have Red Bull on there. We can have maximum charge Cannonball coffee, of which you can get our 10 percent discount code Primal Ten. Um, <laughs> Build this himself. I've actually got right. Duncan in the mix, so I'm looking forward to speaking to him. Oh really? I'd be good. Oh, I've been... Yeah, Duncan's going to come on live TV. It's a good job we've mentioned that actually because Dean, if you've if you've been on the website cannibalcoffee.co.uk and you go on their homepage and you see the big advert, you will actually see Dean on that advert doing a backflip after drinking said yeah. cup of coffee. This yes, cannibal coffee, correct. this package that's that you can get coffee. primal ten uh, discount code <laughs> with super strong coffee, and it makes super- you do backflips after you've done it as well. Uh, I don't drink coffee. Uh, it's my father-in-law. Just to clarify, we've actually got like we're supposed to be. Si- I think I've won this. So I just want to say that. But we had yeah, a competition going to see, see who could drop the most subtle Cannonball Coffee uh, discount code into the podcast. N- none of yours was subtle at all. Mine was very subtle. It was seamless. Well, yours wasn't subtle at all, Andy. You, you pulled out the bag, mate. There's nothing subtle about whacking the bag on camera. Back, a bag of coffee. <laughs> yeah. I didn't say mine was subtle. I just said his weren't. All right? <laughs> but anyway, getting back on track, I mean, yeah, like... I've, don't get me wrong, there's plenty of science to tell us how important sleep is. But even without science, I think instinctively, it's just one of those things where we know sleep is important. I think at one point in our lives, at least at one time, we've all had a really shit night's sleep and we've all suffered for it. Not just in an acute sense either, in regards to where we just had one bad night. But I think there's times where we've had like progressively bad nights of sleep as well. And we can see how chronically it can make like a, a negative impact on life and performance in general as well. I think that's the key there, Tom, because, I mean, the, the first bit of paper, uh, bit of data, sorry, I looked at it. Look, I had looked at 19 studies. None of them said that uh, less sleep was good for you, which is no surprise there. They all basically said either a neutral result or there was a benefit to getting more hours of sleep. And they also basically suggested that, as you said, chronic sleep is what's the issue. If you have one bad night of sleep, which we all do now and again, it's not going to be the, the be all or end all, but it's that chronic pattern of every night getting a poor night's sleep, which is going to be sort of a, a long lasting effect on performance in this uh, in this case. So even though, even though like one bad night's sleep is shit and we can feel a bit rotten, if we talk about performance, it's not like a make or break thing, but it's when it's, yeah, as you said, chronically, when over like a, a period of like a, a week or more where we're constantly having like interrupted sleep or we're not getting enough sleep, enough hours in general, then that's when it's time to think, okay, what can I actually do about this? I need to make some changes here. But sleep on the same breath of that as well and in the same context of performance. If somebody has one bad night's sleep and we're talking terrible night's sleep, that will impact their performance the next day, particularly if they've got high volume session and if you yeah, high utilize, volume key word there, I think yeah, exactly. Mm. And it, and and mm. we, let's go back to that conversation we've had countless times, Tom, auto regulation. So yes. when people have those, it's what interventions can you put in place that's going to allow you to still get the most out of your training session and stay injury free. Like that's that's something that's going to be inevitable, isn't it? If you hit yourself hard after you've had a shit night's sleep, the the chances of you being injured or straining or doing something to your body is going to be a little bit higher. So if you can auto-regulate, 
you've then got that platform and it's understanding where you can in, put that intervention in. Yeah, I think it just means that long long term effect. It won't like that one bad night of sleep and that one that lesser performance on that day is not going to impact your overall training massively compared to chronic. But I get what you mean there. If you were doing a high volume day, you'd have to tailor it back, wouldn't you? Because so, you're not going to be able. To- I know, I know that you guys we we're all talking a lot with performance based issues and that. But do you find that society and like the, the output that we're expected to have now in in like in just general work? is probably one of the like the biggest factors of, of why people are getting shit sleep these days because of, yeah, because of like, and I'm not talking in the military, like we can sort of just finish and push everything aside. But like, Tom, you, you're not military. Would you say that your work follows your home quite a long, like quite a big, big thing and you spend quite a few hours into the evening doing like your clients, stuff like that. And I like to think businesses where, like if you're quite young and you're new to a business, you want to impress, you want to do more. So these things that we we take for granted, like sleep, nutrition, they're always the first to get pushed down and fucking just like forgotten about. Um, yeah, totally. I mean, uh, in regards to, well, obviously before furlough, when I was actually doing shifts at the gym, uh, some of my shifts are, I, I won't finish till 9pm. But just because I finish at the gym at 9pm doesn't mean that my workload is finished. I've got to go home. As you said, I've got to kind of check in with clients. I've got to do some programming. At the end of the day, I've still got a family life as well. I might not have eaten yet. Do you know what I mean? And then that very next day, I've got another shift, but I've actually got to do the open. So I've got to you know, get to the gym for 5.30 to open up the gym, 5.30 in the morning. So yeah, just just that in regards to just my, my, my rotor, my shift patterns alone definitely interferes with my sleep. But I mean, there's other you know, social aspects that affect my sleep, environmental as well. I mean, I've got two kids. Uh, my youngest at the moment is currently teething. And, you know, if anyone that's had kids understands that, you know, teething kids will just keep you up throughout the night. Uh, my second child, he's, uh, he's, he's having sleeping problems himself at the moment, so he'll run and jump into the bed. So that will disturb my sleep in the night. At the same time, I think I've mentioned I've got, I've got a whisper now because obviously I'm in the kitchen, but I've got really weird neighbours. <laughs> um, I've mentioned this before, and yes, this is, I've been, guys. I've been watching on Netflix the the the, Un- the Unabomber documentary with Ted Kaczynski, the guy that was making like pipe bombs and stuff and blowing up technology shops. Is, does he I'm live next pre- door? It's it's highly likely that there's a, a Unabomber esque person in Ryslip that isn't me. You know, <laughs> um, I just want to confirm that. And I've been making some weird um, threats towards the IFS lately, but it's definitely not me. But no, my neighbours, <laughs> my my, my neighbours, like last night, 11.30 at night, I'm trying to get my head down and they're fucking sawing something in the garden. <laughs> what? I know. And the first thing, like, like, what's the first thing that comes to mind? It's just like, what the fuck is someone sawing? I don't know why, but I was instantly thinking they're obviously making pipe bombs. Um, but I ran into the bathroom and I opened the window and suddenly the sawing stopped and all the lights went out in the garden. So it's like obviously I disturbed them, whatever I was doing. But yeah, like uh, as I said, there's all various reasons as to why my sleep would be disturbed. Uh, and yeah, that's I mean, that just sounds quite them. serious. I mean, that, <laughs> that's, it, it that sounds is. like more of a disturbance in your sleep. Uh, obviously, <laughs> another reason why I'm not sleeping good at the moment is because I'm very anxious of what's going on next door. <laughs> that is a typical stress response. It's easy as that. Everything that you just mentioned, if you want to put science back into the mix and bring that conversation, I mean, there's a few damning questions that need, people need it to ask. It is quite there. stressful, Dave. <laughs> Straight away, we, we already understand cortisol. 
as a gluto glucocorteroid. Like that is exactly what's happening. Your body is responding to stress. A spike in glycogen within the body, you're seeing that response, you're seeing that trigger, that's then straight away putting up your fight or flight response. And you're fighting to it because you're seeing somebody sore and you're hearing somebody sore. And you're like, what the what fuck the is going on? What the fuck is going on? Exactly. And But that's the same with every walk of life. Like Andy was just alluding to there. In, in your population and where you're working, you come home at 11 o'clock at night. The last thing that you're going to be doing is being able to switch off. So if you've got to open up at five in the morning, how are you going to do that? And it's putting interventions in that setting for somebody like you, who's a crazy ass busy professional, especially in a gym, 24 hour gym, or an, one somebody that's on the gym floor, there's things that need to be put in place that's hopefully going to help that. And it's managing everything that we've just listed there as stress and the response to that, which is cortisol. And you know what doesn't help either is I have that anxiety where I think to myself, right, I get home late at night and I'm actually, I feel like I'm pressured that I need to try and get as much sleep as possible because I've got to get yeah. up early for work in the morning. Yeah. And the more I stress about it, the less you get. The harder I find getting back to sleep. But I'm actually, I'm stressing, thinking, fuck, I need to go to sleep now. I need to sleep it's now. I need as many hours as possible. But another thing, um, so in, when, I talk, when we talk about pain and stuff, and this is quite irrelevant, but I do bring up something called the biopsychosocial model. And what I was just saying there about my how I'm perceiving things going on around me and it's making me stress and kind of what you mentioned there, Dean. Um, Nadep, uh, a story I have mentioned as well on a couple of podcasts a, a, a while back was that my neighbours in my previous house I lived in were burgled. Now, ever since that has happened, I've really struggled to sleep because whenever I hear a slight noise in the garden, I'm jumping out of bed and you know running to the window. Even to the point where I've actually been sleepwalking and I've woken up looking outside of the window, just standing there, just because I've had that past experience of something negative happening next door. And now I just, I struggle to sleep in general because of that as well. Every time I hear a noise, I'm on like absolute tender hooks. The problem you then have is trying to think about going to sleep. And then you're in another downward spiral because the thought of you going to sleep is then, oh, how the hell am I going to try and get to sleep? And then you stress out about not being able to sleep. Exactly that. Exactly that. And that's what happens with my morning shifts as well. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you an intervention at the end, hopefully somewhere at some point in this call, which is hopefully going to help that because I absolutely Heels. have something that helps. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't involve we'll killing somebody either. Yet. Um, I want to talk about a paper, which I think would be quite interesting to people listening because everyone loves body composition. People always want to look good, don't they? People love looking shredded, ripped, whatever you want to call it, all the all the buzzwords. There was actually a paper which looked at sleep in regards to body composition, which was quite interesting. Um, this is something that Tom fired over to me. So this study, I'll quickly give you a background of it. It took 30 men who were all untrained and reported no sleep problems. Note, only 22 of these actually finished the study because there was a lot of criteria there to meet. And if they were struggling to meet it or they refused to meet it, they were obviously binned off the study. Yeah. Um, it's quite common for dropouts. So it's, you know. It was a 10-week, they were given a 10-week training plan, both groups, the sleep group and the non-sleep group. And the sleep group were given education prior to uh, the actual conducting of the 10-week program. And I'll go through all the education they were given. Some of this might sound familiar as we go into the podcast, but there's quite a big list. I'll go through it. So keep it dark quiet cool in the room you sleep go to bed and get up at the same time during the whole week including weekends go to bed so that you can get at least eight hours of sleep two hours before bed um 
put away all your phones, put away electronics, that sort of stuff. Uh, turn down the lights as well, it said. So basically it's saying avoid any bright lights two hours before bed. Put away, yeah, PC pads, mobile phones, or it says use a blue light filter and lowest possible light setting. Um, but we'll come into that a bit more about the blue light filter later on. Um, it said no exercise. This was two hours before bed as well. Uh, no food, coffee, black tea, or drinks of energy. This is also two hours before bed. And it says do calm and positive activities do not that do not bring up relational conflicts before bedtime. Well, I failed every single one of those. <laughs> when you get up in the morning, try to get as much light as possible right away. Last cup of coffee for the day, six hours before bedtime. And try to get so much sleep that you do not need an alarm clock to wake up. So they're trying to promote a natural wake-up pattern, really, uh, from this advice. And it says, do not use electronic devices that emit light in bed and learn a re relaxation technique and use it to fall asleep at night uh, or if you wake during the night. I'm fully aware that was a hefty list. That's probably why a few of them dropped out because they were thinking, fuck this, this is, this is carnage. But... If the people who did follow this, the results were quite uh, quite impressive. So I'll quickly look at a chart here I've got uh, saved my phone. So they based it on kilos. And at the end of this program, basically, the ones who did sleep and exercise, they were fat mass change was minus 1.75 kilo. And just the exercise group was only 0.75. So you can see that there was a quite a big, quite a sizable difference in uh, fat mass change and lean mass change. The exercise plus sleep group was plus 1.75 kilos, and the just the exercise group was plus 1.25. So there was a difference. Was it significant between enough? both groups? Um, I'd say if you look at, I mean, if you look at the chart, I can show you the chart there. You can see that the, the the one that's quite significant is the fat mass change, and the one above was the lean mass, because and the obviously the pool the, of the difference was about a kilo there. Yeah, about a kilo, I'd say. Yeah, about a kilo. Yeah. So it's it's quite it's quite significant over yeah. a ten week period. Obviously, it's a small pool. It was only twenty two people who finished it. However, and obviously we know sleep's important, but I thought it was just interesting that it had such an impact on body composition. Um, yeah they were doing the same things obviously you can't it's very difficult to pin it straight down to sleep because nutrition obviously is massive in that uh, but again it's of that hot isn't it of all these things that yeah, together you know what i mean yeah, if you're course. feeling good you're gonna have good things to think about you know if you're just like oh, I'm, I'm feeling fucked feel shit mm. look at the other side of this exactly what andy's just said the big pot it's a big, big pot, yeah. pot feeding frenzy stress is like a it's a steroid hormone yeah. it it makes you fucking crazy crazy hungry and mm -hmm. you look for that dopamine response yeah. so if your sleep is completely off the chart and it's it's so bad think about what that's doing within your body mm. like when and that goes for all of us if my sleep yeah. goes for a shit phase and this could work with regards to body compositional change with a negative effect as well but if we take somebody who likes hyperpalatable food and they're susceptible to high sugary, refined carbohydrates, especially in the evening, if their stress is through the roof, straight away, they're going to look for a dopamine response. That dopamine response is going to try and be filled by something like sweets. Yeah. Once they've hit the sweet craving or the refined sugars or the other whatever it is they're going for, that's generally tends to what people, because it's hyper palatable food, there you go. We're hitting a huge calorie increase. They're going over their surplus each week. So you can understand why there would be a significant difference in two groups when you look at a control group and the sleep group. So you can you also argue because 
because the, the non-sleep group potentially could have been awake less so they had more time in the day to eat could that could that be an argument could because be. the, the, there's more hours in the day to eat food and if they if they're constantly craving they've got them extra couple of hours maybe where they could have eaten a cake where the other I mean, people would have been come on, I think about how many times that we've all done it we've all sat there at like 10 o'clock when really we know we should have gone to yeah. bed but instead we visit the fridge a big bright light to ping us fucking wake and we smash that cake that's in there um, we don't yeah. take a I mean, plate a- because we know we're coming back in five minutes time as Dean alluded to with stress, you know, and then kind of looking for that comfort food afterwards, I mean, there is a physiological mechanism that does happen here with a lack of sleep, and it is to do with the stress as well. Uh, you know, so we've got like um, hunger hormones. We've got ghrelin, which makes us want to eat. Then you've got leptin, which tends to keep us fuller. And we do have evidence that kind of suggests that with a lack of sleep, ghrelin levels tend to go up, then leptin tends to go down. Therefore, with a lack of sleep, we tend to want to we want to gorge. We want to go for those comfort foods. And as Dean said, it's usually the the good stuff we want to go to. When I say the good stuff, what I mean really mean is the bad stuff. <laughs> there's no there's no excuse me, there's no good and bad food. No good or bad. But yeah, even in that 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 what you're talking about with ghrelin and leptin and the different spikes with lack of sleep and where ghrelin would quite often over or it would supersede leptin. That just straight away, that triggers into emotional eating. And people automatically go into that emotional eating response of looking for a dopamine hit. They're looking for that hit constantly, constantly, time after time. And what's interesting is that a lot of people go to sleep or they go to bed, like we alluded to, 10, 10, 30. And people forget that 12 is midnight. That is the middle of the night. And if you're not asleep by the middle of the night, are you doing yourself any favors? So... You look at some st- some people, you take, um, uh, I think it was the sweet, I think it was a Swedish study. I might be wrong. I might be wrong. But because they don't, because of their natural, um, natural daylight savings hours, they, they have like minimum, worse than some in the UK, they have little light even through the summer months. It, although it's brighter, but for like nine months of the year, it's really, really dark by three or four o'clock in the afternoon. And you'll find that their body composition in relationship to every other demographic in every other location is lower because they actually go to sleep earlier in the evening. And they They wake up. Yeah, they wait. It's almost like a hibernation protocol. They go to sleep earlier, like 8.30, 9. They're actually asleep in their REM sleep cycle at midnight. And they wake up at 4.35, which is a natural way to wake up. So that kind of supports that body composition paper there, Dean, doesn't it? Yeah. So, And this is what I'm saying. If you, if you then apply this to different locations and different demographics of people, you can actually sit on the side of the fence and go, yeah, do you know what? That makes sense. So in performance, let's take it to something that you guys love, CrossFit. Why are there so many Swedish athletes that are killing the game of CrossFit? Killing it. Not just even if you oh, look Scandinavian at Scandinavian region, isn't it? Scandinavian, exactly. Any Scandinavian yeah. country, you look at their look at their population, look at the athlete, as in the amount of people that are within the top fifty thousand of CrossFit in comparison to most other countries. Obviously, they've got a smaller pool, but they've got the percentage ratios. There's more, more than the states because they're just in such good shape. They look after themselves physically. They're active. They're healthy, and they use things like this sleep. 
you hear what Matt had to say recently about he he was getting a minimum of 10 hours of sleep and he would have to like chin off his missus like dates and stuff because he said I can't do this because I won't get 10 hours of sleep and I have to get 10 hours of sleep. So he was Parties. he was his life yeah exactly well I mean he was obviously the best in the world for a while wasn't he so he, he still is at the moment but it'd be funny if our living if our living yeah banked on having 10 hours if we had to make a living performing would we all be in bed right now yeah if if, if we're well, making we three four hundred thousand yeah. dollars in in a, a competition would <laughs> yeah, we go to bed right now yeah. absolutely yeah. if it's your livelihood yeah exactly that's the word i was looking for too yeah. andy but yeah if that's your livelihood sleep's going to be a bigger priority than your children yeah, especially if you're competing, at, 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 especially performance is the goal. I mean, the more sleep, the better. I mean, we're obviously going to go through sleep hygiene, but really, statistically, more the duration is the biggest impact. The more sleep you can get, the better, really. That's going to be the biggest bang for your buck. However, we know everyone, as we spoke, there's going to be barriers to getting them that sleep at night. So what we're going to go into now is napping because we've actually got a bit of advice we can give you here. That's backed by a bit of a paper we found, which is about napping. So most people preach, get eight hours a night, get eight hours a night. But as you guys said, kids life gets in the way it's sometimes hard to get eight hours but if you can during the day get get a bit of a nap in we have got um some data here which could give you some sort of a bit of promise that you could improve your performance this way as well um obviously make sleep at night your top priority if you can but as we as we allude to that's not the case so this paper here then it's um they they kind of it was all done in a quite a small it wasn't like over a long period of time it was basically all done in a day so the, the study design was they arrived at the laboratory at a set time they had a group of people so one group had no nap one group had a nap of 25 minutes one group had a nap of 35 minutes one group had a nap of 45 minutes um and then after that all was they was all done one of them did uh, sorry they all did a hooper questionnaire uh, a digit cancellation task a feeling scale and a five jump test and what they found was, this was on the physical task, so the jump test, the no-nap group was the lowest. They did the lowest, they performed the, the worst. The next highest up was the nap of 25. The next highest up was the nap of 35. And guess what? The nap of 45 was the highest. So the longer the nap, the better they performed on that jump test. And that goes for the same for the cognitive test as well, for the, the mental tests. The no nap was the lowest. This was a little bit less pronounced, the mental one. It wasn't as extreme as the physical one, but it still showed that the more sleep you got in the nap, the better you perform mentally as well, which is kind of what we said. So if you haven't got time to sleep, at, obviously, I'm not saying if you haven't got time. If you if you are having disrupted sleep at night, you're only getting like five, six hours and you're thinking, but I want to perform. I want to compete. Um, maybe getting a 45-minute nap in the day if you can, maybe during a lunch break, if you have your, have your food, have a nap. This is perhaps suggesting that you could... Uh, pull back some of that sleep you missed at night, which I think is quite promising. My old man, he brought us up on this. We used to call it 40 winks. <laughs> 40 winks. Uh, okay. 40 winks, yeah. And this was like, I was doing this at the age of 12 and 13 as well. Like Saturdays and Sundays, come on, mate, let's get some 40 winks in. This, like, this meant the world to me. Uh, and to have like studies show that it, it is a positive thing uh, is banging. It makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, you think about it, by having a nap, you're kind of recharging. It's like it's like putting your phone on charge, isn't it? If your phone's dying, you quickly give it a bit of juice, it's gonna perform better, isn't it? And then it's like us. If we're if we've had six hours of sleep and we're getting to midday and we're like, Oh, I feel sluggish, having a nap is obviously well not obviously, but it's potentially gonna have a benefit, isn't it? But it makes I mean, sense. Can't, can't have it too late though, can you? Can't have like a four no, not too late, like yeah, a key. four o'clock nap. You can't do it, can you? That's yeah, that's um that's an important point to note. If you look at this when it's transferable over to performance. Somebody who is a crazy ultra marathon runner 
yeah, okay. you'll find that there's some people out there that will, I can't remember the documentary now, but would do like six, seven hours of running, would do like a 40, 50, 60 minute cat nap, would do another six, seven hours running, get his night's sleep, repeat that process. But then again, you That's look ruthless. at it, it's ruthless, <laughs> ruthless, mate, when you're trying yeah. to cover distance. Yeah. Now put this into the CrossFit Games perspective. What do all of those athletes generally tend to do once they finish the workout? They'll go do just some CW, CWI, most of them. Most oh, of them we're not CWI. allowed to talk about that, Dean. Haven't you heard? It's useless and it's pseudoscience. Oh, fucking here we go. <laughs> this, go back and listen to our podcast on that topic. I'll link that. <laughs> at, at the, in the same breath, if, if people are looking for the aggregation of marginal gains and that is supporting an athlete who is competitively competing for their livelihood and they find that CWI is a responsive intervention for them, albeit, and, and, and that can support them. That, that's, that's fact. Like, that supports yeah. them. Same with fucking foam rolling. I've got more time for foam rolling than I do when they go in and start getting cupping and all that other crap and dry needling and all the other stuff. And Adam Meekin's classic, yeah? But when we're referring to those athletes that come out of doing their CWI, they then go and sit down. Most of them will eat straight away, and then they'll put someone over their eyes and try and get some sleep. Because they're looking for the fastest possible way to reduce, yes. to re- yeah, recover first and foremost, and then reduce the stress response that's just happening in their body. Go back to that cortisol. They're trying to bring that cortisol level down. They're trying to take charge of their adrenal glands, protruitory and adrenal glands, and try and get it under control. Once that's under control, they go to sleep. They then wake up. If it's 40, 50 minutes later, they're then recovered. But this is at the highest gain. And now Andy's even talking about it from Gen Pop, doing the 40 winks and getting a power man or an old man's half hour. Think how productive we feel. Uh, sometimes you feel groggy, get it. But even if, if you can time it perfectly, I find that if I catnap any more than 25, 30 minutes, I'm in shit state. Mm. I'm in absolute shit state. My body just goes, no, you, not a chance, mate. But come home, just lay on the couch, just let my eyes doze off. I'll set an alarm just in case, just to know that before my training session, I'll let, I'll let my eyes go down and then 25 minutes later, 30 minutes later, I feel a million dollars. Like yeah, genuinely awesome. feel like I can go in that garage sanctuary and hit the weight, like really hit the weight. But it's because of all of this stress management. It always comes back to this, but people think, like people, people forget that it's not just talking about stress from work shit. We're also talking about stress from exercise, stress from conversations, stress from the socioeconomic factors, stress from any other lifestyle health-related behavior, not just from fucking you having a row with the missus, it's every other stress that comes into it. Your body doesn't know the difference between one stress and two stress. Like, it just measures it on a scale. No, 100%. I mean, going back uh, one step is, because so I'm really glad you mentioned cold water immersion. So I know I joked about it earlier, but what the thing that cold water immersion and naps have in common in regards to context of recovery is that they're both methods of acute recovery. Keywords being acute. So kind of, I like how you brought up the, cross, uh, the CrossFit games or the, the runner that had to kind of run more than once in a day. The whole point of acute, uh, an acute method of recovery is that it's a very quick acting form of recovery. I mean, we talk about things like, you know, like long periods of sleep we talk about uh what was it we talk about compression pants we talk about you know our our dietary guidelines we talk about going for a 10 minute walk after exercise etc all very well and good but sometimes we need that acute 
method of recovery. So yeah, a CrossFit game is a perfect example because you may have more than one event. Do you know what I mean? In one day. So yeah, doing one event and then having something like cold water immersion or having that 45-minute power nap and then going and doing that second event, fantastic. When we talk about recovery, people need to realise that even though we are looking mostly at the long term, at the end of the day, there are going to be certain populations such as CrossFitters or endurance runners where actually we need something that, you know, we're not looking at something in the long run. We're looking at something that needs to be short, sharp and snappy. And that's where cold water immersion and power naps can play into that. It's a very quick form of recovery. It's context dependent, isn't it? That's always context. Exactly, exactly. And even with naps, sleep is probably one of the only habits that if you haven't got right during your evening, for whatever reason, you can actually integrate it at some point in the day. But with exercise, if you have, if you are an, a performance athlete or you're somebody who prides himself on performing well, if you don't have stress management, sleep hygiene, your daily habits under control, how are you going to be expected to perform and climb that pyramid of performance success? Because you're mm. not going to be able yeah, to. Totally. But with mm. sleep, it's probably one of them, one of the habits where you can actually go, yeah, I can add that a little bit in during my day. With everything else, you probably couldn't. You'd probably struggle. And that's why it always falls back into it. Like, you, If you're stressed out to the nines all the time, that's going to affect your performance. Fact. Oh, God, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, going to, it's going to affect your performance massively. It's also going to affect your motivation to go and perform. And yeah, we can talk about motivation, discipline, da 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 but it is going to affect people's motivation. And you took five character, five character traits that people will have when they want to go and train. And if they fall into one of those character traits and it's a trait approach or uh, an environmental approach, whatever it might be, if they are stressed out through the fucking eyeballs because they haven't got that sleep pattern done, that's going to affect their performance even more. But sleep is just one of those things, like Tom said, that you can pull back in. And it's no use putting CWI in or foam rolling or cupping, dry needling, fucking Theraguns, whatever you've got. There's no point in using that if all of those lifestyle and behavior related factors are not in check. Because all you're doing there is you're giving, you're, all you're doing is burning money in your pocket. That's it. You're giving yourself an expensive slush fund which is being blown on recovery tools that you think is is agreeable and i'm on that fence i'm on that fence with you guys like you try and find sometimes we're not all fucking perfect fucking jesus christ our habits fall to shit sometimes my sleep patterns they go to shit of course they do but it comes back to context it comes back to context i mean something you say quite often dean is you know to concentrate on picking the low hanging fruits when you want long-term yeah. success, yeah. you know, and sustainable change as well. But, you know, sleep tends to fall under one of those lowest hanging fruits. But the problem is for a lot of people, sleep it just isn't a sexy subject to talk about. Do you know what I mean? It's just, I'm guilty of that. Yeah. <laughs> it's because they haven't put it down as part of their identity. They haven't looked at the identity of who they want to be. If they are somebody who wants to be a high-performing athlete or somebody that takes their health, wellness, vitality seriously, and they've been through the they've been through the um, the mind map of creating their why. Sleep will fall into that why, and they will have an absolute understanding about why sleep is important. If you haven't done that exercise, then I challenge anybody to go and do that exercise. Listen to this podcast. Write your name on a middle on a piece of paper, and branch off 
hundreds of little branches that shape the type of person that you want to be, the type of person that you think you are. And I guarantee at some point in there, sleep will make up part of your why. But you need to go through that exercise first to understand what your why fucking is. But people go, yeah, I'll, don't worry about it. I'll just fucking leave it. Sleep's important to me because I want to live till I'm 110 years old. I want to still be able to, at 90 years old, don my finest pair of Nike Air Maxes, adopt a three-point start position down the end of the road with my grandchildren, and on the word of command, stand by, go, I want to beat their fucking ass. <laughs> I want to beat their That's ass. That's fucking awesome. I've said that. Uh, all I want to be able to do it. is yeah. just absolutely spank my kids. No matter what age I am, I just want to be able to spank them. Exactly. And I still want to be able to, at 70, 80, 90 years old, get on that trampoline that I've got in that garden and do a backflip. And guess what? Does sleep fall into the value of my why? If it, if it does then you better believe that that's going to be on my non-negotiable tick list. It's on my non-negotiable tick list every day. But people don't prioritize it because they think it's a commodity that they can do without. And I fucking hate these businessmen that go, oh, I was literally going to go four hours that, a yeah. day and work yeah. all the earth. Like, mate, screw them, yeah. you fucking tube. If you want to be successful, you need to fucking forget sleep because you've got so many hours in a day, all this bullshit. Yeah. Do you know what? Some of the highest, some of the most well-valued and respected entrepreneurs will tell you Gary that's a load of shit. Tell you that's yeah, a load of bullshit. Gary V, he, he fucking, fucking loves it. He, 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 he loves it. He's like, oh, just, he goes, you've got, you got 24 hours in a day. Just get the work done. It's like, But I have seen him do a video that goes, look, guys, sleep is important. I have seen him do a video that. So I think he's, he's just very punchline, isn't he? He's very uh, buzzwordy. He loves just yeah. fucking being, like, you know, it's, it's hot topics and stuff. But we, he, yeah, he, he obviously knows what he's talking about. So, and I will um, stay, I will openly, hand on heart, right here, turn around to anybody that's listening to this and say to them, if you are not getting more, and you're an adult, getting more than six hours of sleep, you need to sort your shit out. Yeah. You are it, doing yourself, you are you, digging yourself an early grave. You are, doing your, <laughs> you are doing yourself a disservice, not just from your libido and your sexual drive, your work productivity, your outlook, your ability to think productively and think constructively as well you're doing yourself a disservice in terms of how receptive you are to information, how much you can learn, how much you can take in, how emotive you are in certain situations, how stressed you can be when somebody else triggers you. Like sleep equates to everything, everything. And there is an amazing podcast on the Joe Rogan show. Um, God, forget the bloody guy's name. Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. He's got a, he's got a British. He had a I British. know which one you're talking about, Dean. He's the, I've seen his. Um, he doesn't he have a fucking like masterclass or something on sleep. He's a sleep. Has, honestly, he like a, that yeah, he's podcast, like a guru on fucking sleep. If, yeah. I'll find. I'm gonna go find the episode now. I Send me the link, Dean. I'll put it in the show notes. I think the episode is episode 1147. I remember the number okay. for some reason, but incredible, incredible podcast. <laughs> That's <was> very precise. <laughs> I'm gonna go find I mean, it now. Just one last thing to touch off on that particular study in regards to naps as well, because obviously we are talking about in the context of recovery. Even though it did show a performance in cognitive thinking and uh, the five-star uh, so the five star jump test. Uh, actually, one quick thing, actually. So I'm going to interrupt my own interruption, and that is in regards to performance on sleep, it does seem, from the trend that I'm seeing, that in regards to performance, sleep seems to be more important in regards to like technical ability. Does that kind of make sense rather than actual physical performance? So what I mean, like uh, looking at some of these studies, it seems that most of the improvements from sleep or at least the biggest effects is on things like, oh, a, a, a goalkeeper's accuracy at saving the ball 
Yeah. Or an archery shooting an arrow. Co- cognitive ability, isn't it? That yeah. hand-eye coordination will be hindered because your sleep is is, is hindering yeah. that ability to So to it focus. seems to be technical skill. We become slower. We start slowing down. Yeah, it's, it's just a natural... So, like, if you were... I'm not. I'm totally not referencing my neighbours here, but if you were like a hitman, and you were going to go and snipe a target tomorrow, then you probably want to get your ten hours sleep because that's going to refer to a fair bit of you know technical skill. You might be going the ranges. There you go. That's actually applicable. You it's might all about killing a lot today, Tom. But you're right, mate. A lot, a lot of killing being spoken about today. <laughs> it's, mate, this, this is what I told you. You know the biopsychosocial model. This is the social influences of what's been going on next door. And also that uh, Ted Kaczynski, you know, documentary I watched. But before I interrupted myself, what was I interrupting? Oh, that's it. Uh, there didn't seem to be much of a difference in regards to napping on DOMS. But to be honest with you, I wouldn't expect that anyway. Yeah. If it was just a DOMS, DOMS are part of life. Just, yeah. You just have to accept them. If you woke up in shit state after heavy squats the previous day, and then you went and had a 45-minute nap, that 45 minutes is not going to, you know... They ain't going to do fuck all. ...have much action on your DOMS. <laughs> You just roll. Are you stroking your, your microphone? Yeah, you're... sorry, I was stroking it. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I could just hear it. I was like, is he is he stroking his bike? I, I can't. It's, it's very strokeable. The shape of it. What? Cause it's shaped like a dick, Tom. <laughs> Have you imagine it shaped? I fucking know you two. You're a nightmare. Do you know that? You always just go on to a tangent, you two. Go on, Andy. Go on, you can no, stroke. No, I fucking no. I've lost it now. You've lost it, Andy. Would you like to stroke your microphone? Yeah, it's gone. <laughs> you took a 45 minute nap, and your doms just went the next day. That'd be amazing. If that was a drug, if... it would be illegal. <laughs> Dom, Dom's would be a fit of the past. <laughs> I would keep during my sets. But the thing is, you know how much like sleep has an impact on performance? If 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 sleep was a supplement, it would be worth so much money. People would pay thousands for it, seeing what it could do. But people, because it's not a supplement, people ignore it. Like they think people take it for pointless. granted. Exactly. But a sleep is actually so powerful. <laughs> do you know what? I used to actually have uh, an ethos of uh, a few stage for a little while is like, I'll sleep when I'm dead. <laughs> yeah, do you know when you go through? Yeah, do you <laughs> yeah. know when you go through a party stage when you're youngster, about nineteen, twenty, and you just yeah, fuck it, I'll sleep when I'm dead. And I, I would go out, I would get up early, think that I'm doing well, I'd then go I'll out all weekend, week. and then yeah, I'd spend the rest of the week in shit state. Like, yeah, like I can't do this anymore. I can't do it anymore. But Friday come <laughs> surge of energy, bosh, I'm doing it again. Um, I kind of regret all that now. Um, I wish... So there's this product, the CrossFit World. They always have this. Have you seen it? Beam? Have you seen this Beam, beam or something? Oh, yeah. fuck off. Fuck. That's CBD go, go on, again. What is Andy. it? Is it CBD? C- C- CBD, CBD again. CBD yeah. infused hot chocolate. Yeah, it's fucking... Uh, CBD oil again, mate. Hot chocolate's nice for bed, to be fair. <laughs> it is. It puts you in a good mood. Here's, here's something to throw out. Um, first of all, the episode I was talking about, Joe Rogan show, it was eleven number 1109 with a guy called Matthew Walker. Um, yeah, he's really good. Incredible. That sounds familiar. It really, he's yeah, a he seen him. He's... doctor of neuroscience and psychology. Uh, he's, a, he's a sleep manic, uh, mania, manic, manic, manic. What's the word I'm looking for? The, the ironic maniac. thing he's is, a manic I, bet, I bet you he only gets about four hours a night. He gets two hours sleep a night and he tells everybody to fucking work harder. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've lost my train of thought. What were we just talking about? CrossFit, CBD, Beam. So if you actually take into context what that Beam's doing, is it going to support somebody in their circadian rhythm and help them produce melatonin? If Do we have a supplement that turns around and says, can we produce melatonin? No. But how, do, how does the body physiologically produce melatonin? It produces melatonin from the absence of cortisol. 
So if, for example, somebody sat there with a hot chocolate, a warm hot chocolate, and they're relaxed and they're chilled, is it a sense that, is it a little bit of placebo? Is it them going back and going, ah, I feel really chilled and relaxed? That then is going to reduce that cortisol hormone response, is going to allow melatonin to be released into the bloodstream, and then therefore allow that individual to start winding down. But it's that not really necessarily, it, and that is just from, that's me thinking from it critically. That's the hot chocolate. It's, that's not CBD. Anything. But this is what that's I'm saying. Hot, hot the claims yeah. that CBD can help you sleep more or help you go into a deeper sleep, I don't think the evidence supports it. And people uh, we've, will we've take been CBD. Through this yeah, before, exactly. I, I With CBD oils, it, the evidence is just so... It's not there. It just isn't. It really isn't. But, but listen, if you are an elite athlete that relies on that being their livelihood, along with your CWI, along with your phone rolling protocols, along with your napping, and somebody's giving you CBD oil for nothing, and it's a regulated product that you One know can be traced. That, I, think, I know, but let's <laughs> let's take these regional athletes, competitively athletes. They're not going to start chucking. They're not going to start chucking shit in them. And I give you an example: Challenge State, for example is in a CBD product, they're probably really highly regulated and they test all of their substances that goes into it. And I only know that because I researched, they were one of the ones I researched. So Challenge State is a really useful, might be a really useful tool for somebody that's looking for marginal gains. For us, is CBD going to have an effect? No, no. Especially the price point as well. And that's the issue, I think, is the and price it point. it brings that placebo yeah. of that price point because yeah. you've paid high value for it. Yeah. You believe Buyers, it's a bias, work. yeah. Yeah, but yeah, buyers. Yeah, that's the one. Buyers, buyers. So I'm I'm just looking this out of context. I think um, a lot of people want to buy a product that w that they want to believe will work more than looking at something they can get for free, like sleep. It's <laughs> yeah. do you know what I mean? It's like I'm in shit's day. I'm gonna work. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to bed at four, uh, like two in the morning. Get up at six because I got the early morning CrossFit class. But I'll just take my Ferragun because that will square me away. Yes. I, I just feel like people were uh, like, oh, sleep, it's there. They're looking for the quick fix. They're looking yeah. for the penny arcade. Yeah, of and course. The, the, <laughs> they're, they're looking to drop a penny into something and hoping that they're going to get something in return. And it's just not going to pay off. But uh, yes, so I'm going to shut up for a minute because I want to see where the conversation goes. Kind of going off what you just said, Andy, it's like people will buy like their ZMA, their magnesium, things that they'll say, oh, I need it because it's going to help me sleep. But they're willing to pay money on that, but they're not willing to take the free option, which might be sleep more, put your phone down at night and maybe just start settling down an hour beforehand. But maybe that's also because it's just not sexy. But magnesium and zinc... Is yeah, that's a diff that does. Oh, that's yeah, no, a diff no, totally. but I I'm not, I'm not denying. I'm not denying mean? that, but just that people won't take the free option first. The no, yeah, no, of course. It's no, of course. that. Sh it's that shit army saying, isn't it? Um, doing the basics well. Like we hear it time <laughs> and time again. Do the basics. Fuck off, well. Andy. Get out of the No, it is, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, you're right. Sleep, hydration, the basic three that, and everyone neglects them. Like I live on one can of Monster a day. That's it. That's <laughs> oh Anybody want a tea? I'm like, unless it's made with monster, and no, I don't. <laughs> but do you know what? Moderation's key, mate. You keep doing that. But Thanks, we yeah. could apply. We could apply Kiss principle to every single fucking thing that we go by. And if and if if people actually swallowed the bitter pill of ego and went right, 
let's let's look at the kiss principle can i how can i keep sleep simple stupid what's my lowest hanging fruit bang can i keep my strength gains simple what's my lowest hanging fruit keep it simple stupid can i keep go for whatever even if it's fat loss or weight loss whatever you want to fucking call it this day and age can i lose weight what's my lowest hanging fruit keep it simple stupid but people don't want that because no. of the market and the social media and the way the oh, fitness industry is such an impact doesn't it I it's know exactly and people say you you know you can go down rabbit holes with diets and that's not obviously not something that we're going to talk about, but sleep is, you've got to keep it simple, stupid. And if that simple, stupid means put your phone down 60 minutes before you go to sleep. If you can't do that, try doing it 15 minutes before first. Just try 15 minutes before. Progressively overload your phone. Exactly. (laughs) Everything needs progressive overload. Everything. And I hats off to anybody who used to be a smoker that quit cold turkey. Hats off to anybody that's done that. Fucking yes. Exactly. I was the same. Gave up, gone, done. Hats off to anybody that can do that because that was that was tough. But it's the same with anything else with progressive progressive overload. Just progressively decrease or progressively allow yourself to adapt the adaptation principle to everything that you put your body through. It's the same with putting your fucking phone down 60 minutes before bed. Start at five minutes first, then try 10 minutes. Then try putting your phone over the other side of the room. Then try putting your phone downstairs so you don't even look at the bastard thing. Mm. And progress. I, mean, I feel like you've jumped straight into your, you've jumped sorry, into I'm your mic. Sorry, go- sorry, sorry, I'm going to stop, 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 stop. We've got to now. <laughs> we've, 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 we've thrown right. both feet Fuck in the it. pool. We are in. We're, We're in deep. So, <laughs> deep. Right. Hang on, I've actually just phoned my phone. I don't know where it's gone. <laughs> you actually thrown your phone. <laughs> Bill, can you do me a favour and phone my phone for me? <laughs> oh, fuck. We're going to take a small break now. Man. Oh, that's so I went in the recycling. I wondered what you were doing. I just thought... I tell you, I'll put it upside down. We're going to go. We're going to the action points because we've given you some information, but we feel like to make this even more valuable is we're going to get Dean to tell you exactly how you can improve your sleep and reap the benefits. So the first one, which Dean kind of already started going into, was getting control of the power down hour. Your high performance power down hour needs to be individual to you. So first and foremost, if it does not align with your identity, this tool is a fucking waste of time. You have to buy into this process first. If you are somebody who wants to be, if you're listening to this podcast, you obviously see value in what Tom, Andy, and Bill put out. You obviously see value. You obviously enjoy some walk of health, fitness, well-being, and vitality. So the power down hour, 90, 90% of the time is going to appeal to you or fall in line with your why and what your values are. The power down hour is a simple tool. For me, the power down hour is an opportunity to go through what we've spoke about. It's an opportunity to reduce the impact cortisol's having on the body. Now, what does that consist of? Let's not get fucking deep in sciency. Keep it simple. How can I reduce cortisol and increase melatonin uptake? And the simple thing to do is reduce your screen time within that power down hour. So if the power down hour is you're going to be in bed, before you've even done this, you need to set a bedtime hour. And keep it consistent. Your body naturally craves a circadian rhythm. Like your body need, your body is looking for regularity and routine. We all want regularity and routine. 
if we could, I guarantee we could, if we could all in here, you'd be happier, happy eating the same meal over and over and over again in order to support yourself and your goals. Because it's just fucking easy to get the shopping list. I guarantee we all go out and get the same shopping every Sunday. Pretty much. The same as the online order comes through. We get our Quavers, we get our Kellogg's Frosties, we get all the other bits and bobs, the Capri Suns, whatever else, and then the occasional piece of broccoli. Like, we're creatures of habit. So the power down hour, bedtime needs to be set first. And then the simple tools that I use is phone goes down 60 minutes before bed. So my bedtime this evening is going to be affected by simply being on this podcast now, which is fine. But I'll auto-regulate this and try and catch up over the next few days. So set the bedtime, put the phone away and limit screen time. For me, this is where you need to find your routine. For me, I do either go wad or run wad. The reason I do that is because it aligns with my goals. I, as an athlete, want to be as structurally mobile as possible. For my sport, weightlifting, and competitive functional fitness, as an example, we have to be supple. You have to be supple. Me doing 20 minutes of mobility, is that going to massively, massively change the physiological adaptations inside my body? The science is a bit on and off with it, isn't it? We're doing static stretching. We're doing a bit of static stretching, a bit of dynamic movement. Yes, it may do. It makes me feel good, but it aligns with my goals of me wanting to perform better. So I want to put mobility in because it helps me wind down that routine. And that's just 20 to 15, 20 minutes. Simple. So two tasks, phone down. Now we've spoke about mobility. The other task that I do is I read a chapter of a book every evening. And the reason for that is because that aligns with my values of wanting to continually develop and create as much impact as possible and value where I can. And the book I'm reading now, Thinking Fast and Slow. If I can't read a full chapter of this book, I'll just read 10 pages because I know that that's a commitment and a non-negotiable tick list that I can tick off. So straight away, in the power down hour, I've ticked off with my pen, um, phone down. I've ticked off my mobility when I've done it. I've ticked off my reading my chapter. And I'll then do the four, 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 four. Four in four is a breathing routine. Four minutes, four seconds in, four second pause, four second out, four second pause. Now that might seem a bit spiritual and a little bit namby-pamby to people that are listening. That's fine. That's what works for me. It might not work for you. You sitting in your chair and just doing a real deep breathing exercise for two minutes or 30 seconds might help you. You just laying in your bed and going, <sighs> might support you. The reason I do that... Isn't, isn't like a deep breathing though. Doesn't it like uh, trigger a signal in your brain to relax? Isn't that yes. the whole point of a deep breath? That's it actually the, does actually do something. So this is the point of a mindfulness exercise. And I've just come off a course with eight weeks with a guy called Patrick Burgess that's just done this mindful breathing stuff. And I use it now. And believe it or not, whether it's anecdotal or not, I use it with the guys that I train. Use it with the athletes, soldier athletes I work with. Because at the end of a session, once we're going through the cool down process, 10 minutes of static stretching... I'm sorry to tell you, is doing fuck all. Yeah, it's doing nothing. Nothing. Yeah, absolutely. I get more bang for my buck doing some active cooling down. That's fine. I'll do that just to regulate the heart rate. And then I'll get them to lay on the floor in the supine position, open up their palms, open up their feet, and I'm going to get them to close their eyes and we're going to go for a meditative breathing practice. Takes me Fucking five I'm minutes. Have to, I'm taking that back to the gym, mate. That's going to rip it down. Telling you now. Two well engineer regiments getting that. Fucking Take out. five minutes and just get them and just... Just and do this from a physiological, we call it high performance breathing. 
And the reason I'm doing this is I'm not trying, don't explain it too much to them because otherwise you dissect and dilute what the breathing practice is. Whatever you think it is, I don't, do you know what? If stay in your own fucking lane, if you don't like it, you don't like it. It is what it is. It works for my guys that I've done it with. And that's a lot of people. And they've told me, I feel so relaxed. I feel so calm. They're now leaving a hypersensitive situation, hyperintensive situation, and they're going off to do their own thing in a relaxed state. And every single one of them I've asked, mm. how are you feeling? I feel fucking brilliant stuff. I feel really good. I feel chilled. Okay, what were three of your biggest wins from that session just then? Um, whoa, you put me on the spot there, Staff. All right, tell me what was one of your biggest wins in that session. Like, do you know what, Staff? I felt like I was going to give up there. I fucking felt I was going to give up at the end there. But do you know what I did? I had a word with myself, and that's a big win for me because normally I'd fucking pull the pin and get fucking angry with people. Recognize that win, take that away, and that's exactly what that breathing practice is for me in the evening. The four in four works for me every single time, but it doesn't need to work for you. And that is essentially what the power down hour is. And then the final thing in all of that is I leave my phone on the other side of my room. I don't put it near my bed. That power down hour, I guard with my life. And I try not as much as possible. And we're all fucking human. I might find myself on a Saturday laying in bed of an evening, watching a little bit of Netflix. And I have to go, I'm like, fucking, what am I doing? And do you know what? That happens. But the old 80-20 rule, right? As long as it's not all the time. Yeah. That's the key. So that's the power down hour. Please fucking feel free to awesome fire anything. I love that. I mean, no, I fucking love that. I mean, especially that mindfulness stuff. That's really, um, that's some real good takeaways. I mean, I'm definitely going to bring that back to uh, my unit gymnasium and definitely, because as you said, static stretching is a waste of fucking time. Um, why not? Why can we not turn it to something more beneficial? People always say, the argument people give back to me is, what can we do instead? But now that sounds like a fucking really good option instead. Four in four. Bit of active recovery and then four in four. I mean, that just sounds brilliant. Four in so, four. Yeah, and I mean, do you know what I'll say, Bill? Anybody that's that. listening to this, get your athletes, first of all, to feel the rise and fall of the chest and then tell them, Okay, now close your eyes, take your mind all the way down to your toes and then gradually, really slowly, whilst you're speaking to them, say, okay, now what sensations you're feeling in your toes? Is it hot, cold, tingling? Guarantee you, they will feel a sensation. They will then feel a sensation of the arch of the foot, the heel, the shin, the back of the knee, the complex knee joint, the hip, the thigh, the hip girdle, all of this area. And then we work down the extremities of the arm. What are you feeling in your fingertips? Close their eyes, just real chill talking feel the rise and fall of the chest to finish, and then bang, four minutes done. And they walk away, they're like, whoa, shit, the bed. And do you know what's even funnier? I did this with my commanding officer, who is a, who used to be special forces. You hypnotised him. No, it wasn't. <laughs> not even, it was nothing like that. And it's not that at all, because that's sceptical bullshit that I don't agree with. But he even came away from that. He's like, do you know what? I've had a fucking stressful four or five days, and that hit the nail on the head. That was it. And that's the guy who was fucking in the most sort of intense job role you could probably be in special forces. Drop, and... drop this male bullshit stigma. Such a bullshit stigma that we can't do this because it's too spiritual. Try it first. Try it yeah. first. And if you no, don't agree it. with it, that's absolutely fine. And it's the same. Science is fantastic. Science is great. But sometimes it doesn't paint the full picture. That's all I'm going to say. So yeah. try something first because you, you might just see the benefits. And we already see how good meditating or breathing can be. We call it mindful breathing or high performance breathing to make it sound a little bit more meaty. Sexy. Yeah, high performance breathing. <laughs> yeah. And get them to understand what we're trying to achieve. I like it. Yeah, I like Try it. it. Definitely, definitely so. And that's the power down. Breathing class is actually becoming quite popular as of recent, funny enough. Well, I say as of recent, before COVID, yeah, I started noticing, particularly my local area, I mean, even um, 
in some what they call David Lloyd gyms, they actually have like breathing classes. And it is popular and it, yeah, it does work. It's what not you pseudoscience. You're, you're targeting the one thing that we all have in our life and that's stress. And it's stress management. Exactly. Yes. There you, you go. Know, the, so, it's stress management. It's so easy. But yeah. this one word formulates, think of your house. Before you build your house, the concrete layer has to be built first. The base layer has to be built. The foundation. The foundation. So the performance foundations, the concrete layer of your pyramid or your house, whichever you're building, picture a beautiful countryside, wherever the fuck it is. The base layer of that falls into sleep hygiene, stress management, recovery, hydration, and movement. Those five things formulate the base layer of your performance scale. Before you start climbing the ladder of success and start talking about energy balance, macronutrients, meal timings, strength, reps, rest, ratio, intensity, volume, load, fucking recovery tools, injury management, injury prevention. Before you start talking about any of that, those five things, if you've completely gone in the dustbin with them, guess what? Stress management's going to be through the fucking roof and you ain't going to perform. And every other facet that you want to walk to into life, your house is going to crumble. It's going to crumble at some point. One of the corners of that house, the foundation is going to start to fall down, whether that be in performance, life, whatever, marriage, relationship. If you can't get those five things in check, why the fucking bother? Why bother with anything else? But what we do, we turn it all upside down and we try and build from the roof up and we go, I'm going to go to supplements first because I think that's what's going to work. (laughs) I'm going to try CBD. I'm going to try cold water immersion. I'm going to try... Spend a fortune in the process. Yes, I'm going to worry so much about the tempo, execution, variability of an exercise. I'm going to worry about the biomechanical model of a perfect squat and worry about <laughs> all this shit. And I'm like, how, how long are you sleeping for, mate? Two hours a night? Two hours. <laughs> and you're worried about all that? Your stress management. Andy, Andy say, Andy's saying it now every single time, isn't it? It's stress management. Mm. Get on top of it. And that's just one aspect. That's one aspect. Power down hour, baby. Should we move on to the next Ooh, point then? Point number two. Unless Andy's got something. Hang on. Andy. Well, Andy, no. I just when you say about like that. Um, so my wife, she's fucking absolutely terrible with her phone. It's like that. Like well, she'll she'll be tired, but she'll have her phone when she goes to bed. But we we're totally opposite. So I'll walk in, I'll plug my phone in, it'll be on the floor. Yeah. And I'm quite, really quite lucky where as soon as my head hits a pillow, I don't want to talk unless we're unless we're pumping. Like <laughs> I don't want to talk. Yeah. I don't want to do anything now. I'm going to bed. Do you know what I mean? Like I've always been brought up. Your bed is for two things, pumping and sleeping. If you're not doing one, you're doing the other, you know? And uh, so, yeah, I'm quite lucky in the sense of like, I don't take my phone to bed. I don't sit there for hours on it. But look at where that started. You were brought up being told that your bed is for pumping and sleeping. Yeah. From a psychological standpoint, every time you go into that room, you're thinking sex or sleep. Easy. Yeah. How old are you? You got told this, Andy. You went like three or four way. <laughs> no, yeah, no. Little different. No, but do you know what I mean? Like, Listen, son. Kids, like, no, like, my mum was like, when I was youngster, it's like, right, this is you don't, you don't like. My mum would always brought up like, you don't lay in bed all day. Get up, get out of bed, move in, let's go. So like, you are now ingrained. That. Your grassroots have ingrained, have been ingrained into you from an early onset. That you're probably now an early riser ish yes. compared to the general pop. You probably, like you said, hit the pillow, go to sleep. You leave your phone on the floor and you don't have a TV in your room. So straight away, we could have already established that because you were told from a young age that your bedroom's sleeping or pumping. Yeah. And if imagine if everybody else took that. And even if you're not getting 
your eight hours sleep or whatever it is that you're getting, you've already set the foundations for success because you've looked at putting your phone on the floor, you're either pumping or sleeping, and you're waking up at a relatively reasonable hour. Like you said, yeah. half five, six o'clock early riser. Yeah, I don't, yeah, it's, and I, I just don't, I don't understand it. Like I've, I've been a few times, you know, where you get a bit like, oh, I'm not too sleep. I'll just sit about, I'll wait till I fall asleep. My arms just get too tired, you know, like fucking trying to do stuff. I'm just, yeah, about bollocks of this. I'm going to bed. <laughs> You know but that I mean? doesn't mean that doesn't mean that we haven't been caught in that death scroll. Everybody gets oh, caught no. in the death scroll. Yeah, of course, course they do. Yeah. But if you can get control of your power down hour, like it sounds like you have, because your protocol at the minute works, go up to bed, your phone gets plugged in, it gets put to the side, that's it, I'm down, I'm done. And that's that that works for you. But that might not work for me or Tom or Andy. No, we no, might, no, you we right. might have to go deeper. But it's perfect that you've already established that foundation and gone, do you know what? Sleep's important because fucking mum told us from the age of four, it's pumping or sleeping. Yeah, yeah. And I know not to have a TV in my room because sleeping's, the bedroom is for sleeping. That's it. You've set the foundation for the power that man. We'll move on to the next point then. So uh, point number two is manage the munchies. So this was drafted up because a lot of the people I have, a lot of the people I work with come from a performance background. It's not often I come across people that a byproduct of what we do is about body composition, but that's a byproduct. It's not the primary aim. The primary aim is a performance-based metric or performance-based goal. So we're either chasing a number of different things. As a tactical athlete, we're looking to optimize performance across the seven foundational movement patterns and across a whole other aspect of movement components. With an everyday athlete, they come to me with a performance goal. And nine times out of 10, it's to do with strength metrics. It's to do with capacity work, improving run times, improving rowing times, cycling times, whatever it might be. And we work with those people because they've come to me with a performance goal and I give them an SNC protocol. But often when we spoke about the habits, Managing the munchies seemed, and this was this stemmed from me smoking weed as a young boy. Smoking weed and getting the munchies at midnight, I was like, holy shit. You would constantly go and find anything that you could get your hands on and chomp into. And anybody that smoked a joint will back me up here. Midnight munchies is a real thing. Science, fact. I'm hashtagging that. But managing the munchies was also a concept that looked at what my performance athletes were doing before they were doing their power down hour. And when I started to speak to them, and this is before we've even put any nutritional strategies in place, not giving and they're talking strategies, not direct plans, strategies, before we start going, okay, let's get our calorie targets set slightly here. Let's try and adjust this, the behavior behind it. Remember, we've set the pillars of stress management, sleep, hygiene, hydration, recovery, and movement. We've already done them. But the managing the munchies was people in an evening between the hours of about six and 10 going for those hyper palatable foods and not understanding why it was affecting their sleep. Mm. So I had to get them to think about what they were doing. And rather than me directing it, it had to be an open question. I was like, so what are you doing before bed? And they'd be like, oh, I'm on my phone. Okay. What did you eat before bed? What did you have to talk to me through the meals that you had when you got home? And they'd be like, oh yeah, I had, um, I had, I had my high, high protein dinner, you know, I put some carbs in there just to support me because I had a workout about three, just wanted to get those post-workout carbs in, yada, yada, yada. It's like, awesome. 
did you have anything else? Yeah, I had I had a bag of Haribo and some other stuff because I was just chomping at the bit. And I'm like, okay, did you did you drink some fluids? You try drinking some water. And bear in mind, they haven't even worked with me yet. We're just going through the consultation phase. And they're like, nah, nah, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't really. I'm like, right, okay. All of that hyperpalatable, really engorging food that you're eating is it's hyperpalatable for that reason because it's easy digestion and those munchies that you have automatically go for those refined carbs and those high sugar high sugar solutions why because we have looked at that dopamine response that we get from eating that food so how can i now give them another dopamine response and we can get a dopamine response from put from eating is an example, but we can also get dopamine responses from being successful at something. You get a dopamine response from enjoying Stroking something. puppies. Stroking puppies gives you a dopamine response. I'm not forever saying that people should be doing this, but what, what other avenues could we go down to get a dopamine response? The feeling of being, being satisfied. And managing the munchies, we were looking at, right, how can we get a higher protein how can we get higher protein intake to manage satiation in your evening meal, but then also give you a little bit of what you want and a lot of bit of what you need? And little things like substitute a casein pudding. I'd go to a casein pudding with a protein bar and that would suit me to the T. Why? Because it aligned with my values once again, because it aligned with my nutritional values of getting and being the best that I could be in terms of performance. It's the same with every other athlete. Every single one of you truth be told, you want to perform better with its CrossFit, lifting, running, whatever it is you want to do. You want to be the best. Whatever the fuck I do. Whatever you do. Yeah. You want to be the best at what you can do. (laughs) So where does managing the munchies come from? Well, it's coming from a place where we're trying to manage the hitting the kid's sweet cupboard or the fridge, the, the chalky drawer in the fridge or wherever it is. We're looking to hit those satiation levels. How can I increase your satiety of an evening? And if that means that I give you your meal and then we put a little bit of threshold in there so you can enjoy something like casein pudding with a sprinkle of Maltesers on because it's a little bit of what you want and a lot of bit of what you need, then we've done our job. So that was where this mid-managing the munchies sort of stemmed from. And I don't own the term. It's just something that I'd heard before. I thought this yeah, it just great. sounds quite individual. It, it sounds like so you'd have to you'd have to speak to people on a one to one basis and see what would work for them because everyone's obviously different, aren't they? And this, especially with this. And that's not to say that we restrict anything either. Yeah. Well, one thing I do want to say though on this is in to do with food and stuff is um, about protein. You mentioned it a couple of times there. So there's there's insufficient data to firmly conclude what I'm about to say, but there is a couple of studies I'm going to put in the show notes which indicate a higher protein intake. Uh, could improve sleep um, and that it's least like it's, it's very unlikely that a higher protein intake is going to impact um, sleep if you have it before bed so what that's suggesting is is that if you are really struggling with sleep uh, one of the small things you could do is have a higher protein intake before bed so instead of doing what as Dean said instead of going for the, them more highly palatable foods that you have like the bag of Haribo like he said he has a casein pudding that's a higher that's a high protein meal and that that this data suggested that, that could also have an impact on improving his sleep by you know up to 20 30 percent it's obviously gonna be different for everyone but these are small things you could do which are achievable that could make a difference in the same breath don't eat a big meal before you go to bed yeah oh, God, yeah no. definitely not like, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, that yeah. would just be 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 silly but yeah. Yeah. again it goes back the knock-on effect of 
having a higher protein diet in the uh, during the day means that you're going to be more satiated which means that you may not want to go and look for those hyper palatable foods because your body's telling you that you don't need it you are full you are full mm. drink some water fantastic so it's yeah it's one of I mean, another one in particular of casein protein kind of round towards that evening time anyway it's quite a popular one um I mean, like especially when you go like nighttime blend. I don't want to call them nighttime blend proteins because you, you don't you don't want to be fucking guzzling protein shakes before bed anyway. But it's the whole idea is that it's like a slow digesting protein. I mean, you know, just pick the protein you prefer, really. You know what I mean? I mean, get enough that you need for your goals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, the studies with regards to a whey isolate and a casein protein. A casein is a naturally slower releasing protein. Yeah. So if we're talking about satiation and keeping and trying to averse the process of muscle atrophy and increase recovery, casein pudding, casein protein is probably going to be a useful tool for you if you were a high-performing athlete or somebody who partakes in resistance training regularly. When they call it like a nighttime blend. Yeah, and but again, and it's the same with female blend protein and male blend protein. There's fucking no difference. It's a con. Yeah. It's an absolute... Just a mark oh, market, isn't it? Yeah. It's a con. Marketing. And it's they should be like, stop. What are you fucking selling that yeah. for? It's like the pink dumbbells versus the black dumbbells, you know, but they're both <laughs> 10 kg, no but matter what. They <laughs> but they associate the colour being a more friendly exactly. colour, which means they'll pick it up. Exactly. Exactly that, mate. Get the yeah. process. Let's go on to the, let's go on to the next one, guys. Which is daily exercise is a golden ticket. Yes, I like, I like, I like the language used in this one. So the reason the reason it was the golden ticket was because daily exercise does a number of different things. We can all sit here and understand what daily exercise allows us to do, and it doesn't matter what walk of life you're going into. But people that participate in regular daily activity have been shown to have better quality sleep than those that don't so does this mean like i said in the show in in the in the blog does this mean you need to go into the gym and absolutely obliterate yourself no it doesn't can we find protocols that support your lifestyle and as a gem pop if that means you walk in little jack russell for 30 minutes twice per day, if that's part of your regime, then that's a regime where you have increased your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Or in some cases, it might be exercise activity thermogenesis. We've programmed exercise into your day. And it may even conclude, like, it doesn't have to be, it really, really doesn't have to be pumping the gym, being this crazy performance athlete, it, it's it's got to be seen from both parts. But on the flip side of that, you also need to understand that daily exercise is a golden ticket when you apply the minimum effective dose. What do we often see? People apply an overtraining principle as opposed to an overreaching principle. So they train like mad, they go crazy, obliterate themselves, their body goes into this shutdown response. They then go for the hyper palatable foods because their body's going to shut down response and straight away the cortisol levels are raised they can't then sleep and it's got a wave and effect and they constantly go for the cycle it's the same and then you you can't recover or adapt because that dose is inappropriate exactly so when we talk about I, I, the phrase specific adaptations to impose demands right a lot of people focus on the imposed demand they go how can i get how can i fucking hit myself hard here rather than focusing on the adaptation 
Yeah. And as a CrossFit athlete, as as people in the CrossFit community, you will definitely preach and, and, and back me up here, Bill and um, Andy. People, if they haven't got an effective program and they're following something like the athlete program as an example or whatever, their bodies often aren't ready to tolerate that level of exercise. So that's not a golden ticket. So exercise exercise works on like a dose response relationship so kind of what you're going off there is in you know we've got to speak about the individual so the dose you may be given may be too much or it could be too little for you but then that same dose might be more appropriate for someone else it depends on various different factors including training age etc but yeah 100% like that's why a while ago I kind of joked and said like my idea of being a PTI in the British Army is my idea of a nightmare because I've only ever worked with individuals and my fear of working with a group of people is that I've kind of just got to like plaster them all with the same thing and be it's hard fucking work it's hard (laughs) I can can imagine mate honestly you have you guys have all three of you have my utmost respect because I would not be able to do it I'd I'd panic I'd fuck I'd I'd be RPE 10 everyone and just hope for the best but in the same breath I guarantee that Bill and Andy know how to apply auto-regulation to the client and demographic they're working with, with the athletes I work with. If I put a prescribed load on the bar and say it's X said, if I then say to everybody, guys, if this is taking you over a six out of 10 in today's session, you need to fucking drop the shit down. Yeah. You need to focus on owning the positions and moving with intent. You don't need to focus on killing yourself and putting yourself into an early grave. And that's the language that we've got to use. So when we go back to that golden ticket, even in a group setting like PTIs can, we can give exercise and training to the athletes we're working with as a golden ticket. This is yours. You own this protocol. You own this training session. This is the specific adaptation. This is the minimum effective dose. We're not overtraining. We're not over, we're not trying to reach too far, but we are applying the right adaptation at the right time to get the right demand that we're imposing on our body to allow us to adapt and recover correctly. But if you do too much of it, it's not going to help. If you do fuck all, then that's also going to impact your sleep. So to bring it all back round, yeah. it's all well and good doing exercise. But again, it's got to be individual to you. And that's my opinion with, yeah. with everything. And the army's shifting slowly. It is catching up. We are getting more individualized with design, but still a long way to go. In my opinion, small inputs of cogs here and there, and we put a new chain on and we try something else. And eventually it will fall in line with an individualization. And who knows? Who knows? The future might include all of us having access to an application on our phone that allows us to input all of this data, all of these details and have it at the kick of a hand. But Mm. then again, if I'm saying that my five rep max is X, Y, and Z, I haven't even considered environmental factors and lifestyle-related factors. What about the night's sleep I've just had? So then we have to come to, if I've got a percentage, can I also have an RPE column? And that's where the bulk scale comes in. So we can apply all this process. And these are all things in the pipeline that could change. But it is the golden ticket, in my opinion. One of them. I mean, there there is like a recent study in particular on like a exercise on sleep i mean i say there's one ex- one study in particular there's fucking loads of them but i mean one that caught my eye because you're talking about when you said like the minimum dose and that's what i quite like is that 
sometimes people don't realize just how little they can do for exercise to impact their sleep. So I've got a paper here, the effect of daily walking exercise on sleep quality in healthy young adults. And that was by Wan Her 2020. And it basically concluded daily walking exercise has a significant effect on facilitating sleep quality and sleep components among young healthy adults. Further studies are suggested to examine the impact of walking intensity on sleep quality as per usual. In regards to this, the, their idea of aerobic activity was it was like about an hour a day, but as long as it was like 10 minutes of steady state walking. And it was quite slow steps as well. I think it was something like 1,200 steps per 20 minutes or something along those lines. Yeah, so it's it's not that much. Do you know what I mean? It's not that intense. How how much does it gripe on you that people prescribe 10,000 steps? Does it does it gripe on you? Does it, like Not does, as much as it used to. Okay. But are we in agreement that... Ah, sorry. No, yeah. No, no. Okay. Yeah. So when we talk about individual and and in context, 10,000 steps is all well and good because 10,000 steps has been shown to be... I think the crossover is somebody who is of a healthy adult that is able to maintain some form of vitality they're still pretty healthy and it keeps all heart risk and heart disease at bay etc etc and it equates to like what four mile or whatever it is so but the problem i have with ten thousand steps is quite often people's first port of call in an individual program that they're also training on is your daily non-negotiable task is to hit ten thousand steps my daily non-negotiable task is only to hit eight thousand steps why? Because that means that that's in keeping and, and I'm not going to start losing my shit if I don't hit 10,000 steps. And the minute we don't hit 10,000 steps, how do we feel? We feel deflated. What then happened? Yeah. Stress management, cortisol levels through the roof, same knock-on effect, back through the cycle again. Do you know what? Um, I mean, I, can't, I wrote something about this recently for Instagram, actually, and I do kind of see where you're getting with that. So first of all... Um, you know, if people want to do 10,000 steps a day, fantastic. I would encourage as much movement as possible. Yes. But kind of like what you said there, Dean, about people getting that negative effect. Um, by by prescribing just 10,000 as the go-to number, it gives you that negative... Oh, it could be a nocebo here. It gives you that negative expectation that this is the minimum dose I need to hit for these steps to even count towards being healthy, to count towards sleep. But I mean, actually, like we've actually got evidence to show that doing as little as 2,000 extra steps on top of your baseline. Yeah. You I know, was going to say, I think they've even yeah. seen that they, they've even I'm sure there was a study that said 4,000 steps can be just as effective in maintaining a healthy working heart as 10,000 steps. But obviously, yeah. more movement, sometimes more, <laughs> sometimes more is just fucking more, right? Yeah. No. And that doesn't necessarily mean better. But like you said there, how many times have we got a watch or been told, ah, oh, 10,000 steps is the absolute number? I'm like... Oh, I've only hit 9,000. The day's ruined. Honestly. <laughs> and, but this is the thing. When when all this technology first came out and exercise is the golden ticket, I was the bloke that was going, ah, oh, I haven't hit my 15,000 steps today. I'm going to go outside and run. That then yeah. has a knock-on effect. This is 9 o'clock at night. My cortisol levels are through the roof and I'm wondering why I'm not asleep at 2 o'clock in the morning. I mean, what like the NHS recommends, like for for moderate activity, which is basically a brisk walk, they recommend what is it, 150 minutes, 150 per week. minutes moderate activity, moderate per week. activity. Yeah. If you're doing just like 
So the average person, it takes them 20 minutes to do 2,000 steps, right? So if you're doing 2,000 steps every day as like a moderate, you know, like a moderate pace all in one go, if you're doing that every day, just 2,000 steps, you know, straight away you're kind of, you're just underneath that 150 minutes, do you know what I mean? Yep. And 2,000 steps isn't really that hard for someone to do, steady state. So, you know, it's like, it's a good way of saying, look, the barrier to introduce exercise to your life isn't actually that high. Do you know what I mean? You can do it. You haven't got to do the 10,000. If you want to, cool, go for it. But just so you know, it's not the end of the world because you've done 9,999 steps. So for me, like with Tate's doing the 10,000 steps a day at the moment, so I'm I, like the, the challenge for the month. So I'm actually like, I'm, I'm in agreement. It's a good thing at the moment. He's raising money. But uh, what I don't like is someone will go right i need to start i need to be active i need to be healthy and they put quite a big challenge straight away and for someone that is sat at a desk eight to five every day in a in a high stressful environment then having to do ten thousand steps on top of that but yet they drive home or they might not live in the best area it's raining outside it's cold it's windy all your, you're just literally fueling that, that I, I'm bound to fail fire right there and then. And then stress so, comes in again. <laughs> and, 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 and you've got an, you've, you've got a fucking, you've got a watch saying you're failing, you're failing, you're failing. Something to look and at. And it tells oh, you you need to move. Oh shit is that? Yeah. So, so for me, it would be as, as, as simple as, do you know what? Um, I'm going to walk to work one day a week. That's, that's my, that's my one goal, you know, uh, don't matter how long it takes me like a Friday. Do you know what? I can walk to work and I can just walk home. I don't have to worry about what time I get home. Cause I can just walk home. Something like that. Something so simple. Do you know what? Um, when I go for a cigarette, instead of using a lift, I'm just going to actually use the stairs and two flights, just something so simple that could have, a massive benefit and a massive effect on your like the pattern that you could potentially set. But do you know what it takes to do that? In my opinion, from a biased approach, it actually takes a little bit of coaching. It, it, I, I truly believe it actually takes a little bit of coaching because it allows you to be helped. It's the outside, outside, outside opinion yeah. seeing in. Or what, so what's the saying? Outside, yeah, it's like someone exactly looking that outside perspective, looking into an in, looking into your internal thought process. So if we take an outsider's perspective and look at your internal thought process, internal behaviours, you're not going to recognise or you're going to have a very biased approach to what you think you need to do. You're going to pick what you like to do. But as a coach, we're going to go back to giving you a lot of what you need and a little bit of Hold what and a little bit of what you want. So if you want to go for a good bit of walking and that fits with your lifestyle, I'm going to give you a lot of what you need. You need that walking. But it's also a little bit of what you want as well. If that means... We're going to do 15 minutes of Zumba every single day in your room, or you're going to do Joe Wicks PE. Yeah. If that's something that you're going to do and it means that you're moving, guess what? That's a lot of what you want or a lot of what you need. And it's also a little bit of what you want as well. We've fed that void. We've fed that, that portal and that bowl of what works for you as a golden ticket. And that's what's key, mate. So I'm all, honestly, I'm, I'm going to be biased towards coaching because I think if you, to understand to understand and unlock your true potential as a as an everyday athlete as a human being as whoever you are working with a coach that aligns with your values will show you all of these processes 
And once you can, you put this into place, you start to see a massive return on investment, which is why I live by the mantra of strength, movement, mindset, and performance, because all of that links into performance. And that golden ticket, right? It's, it's putting interventions in place. You mentioned mindset there, Dean. I think that moves us quite nicely on to the, to the final, the final uh, sleep tip, and that is take control of your mind and clear your head. So the easiest way I can describe this is it comes back, it obviously comes back to stress. It obviously comes back to stress to a degree. But the, f- the five people you surround yourself with, they all have a huge impact on your life. The 10 people you surround yourself with have a significant impact on your life. The 15 people you surround yourself with can quite often have an overwhelming impact on your life. So understand the people that you are around. So when I'm talking about control your mind and clear your head, this is why that four in four breathing routine is so good at the end of the day. For me, regardless of the situation, whether it's been a high stress day, whatever it might be, I use my journal and you can call it whatever the fuck you want. You can sit there and you can call it spiritual, over the top, a little bit puffy, whatever you want to call it is absolutely fine. But for me, I do it on a daily basis and they live, literally live by me every day, these two books. One's the journal I write in, the other one is the Daily Stoic. And anybody that's on Instagram will see I put pictures of this every single day. You post it every day. Every day without fail. Do you know why I do that? Because it keeps me accountable. I post that every day and at the end of the day, I'll reflect on some of the words and the language that has been used in that. Is it over the top? It might be, but that might not work for you. It might not work for you. And I've heard this phrase before and I love the phrase before. I have been a gunner in a Challenger 2 tank. That's 72 tons of absolute brute aggression. You want to know what the most powerful tool is? The most powerful weapon I've ever had before is a fucking pen. I believe it or not, a pen is probably one of the most powerful things I've used. Because no matter what's happened in that day, no matter what's happened in my life, I will take my high performance planner and I call it a high performance planner because it doesn't sound so off-putting when I call it my diary or my journal. So the high performance planner allows me to do three things. I write down what I'm grateful for that day. And nine times out of 10, it will probably be something to do with family. It will probably do something to do with my health, my profession, my ability to educate, whatever it might be, impact, value, whatever. It doesn't matter. The next thing I'll do is I'll then write down three of my biggest wins so far or three of the biggest wins of that day. So we've done gratitude, we've done wins as a reflective practice. And then the final piece I'll do is what am I going to do tomorrow that I wish I had done today? That's it. Three things. What am I going to do tomorrow? And that's not living in guilt or in doubt. It's just... What can I do tomorrow to become 1% better? If I can be 1% better every single day, that's 365% better every single year. That means that aligns with my values and my why about who the person I want to be. And I want to create as much impact as possible. I want to, on my deathbed, and it sounds fucking morbid, but on my deathbed, when somebody's reading out my eulogy, I want it to say a whole host of different things about the person I was. Caring, compassionate, empathetic, incredible husband, father, somebody who was loyal, respectful, honest, lived by a set of values, was integral, 
created impact, leader, all this stuff. I want that to be, I don't want people, the best way to describe it, I don't want somebody at my eulogy to read all that stuff out and then go, but he was this. I don't want to hear anybody say the word but. So when I say take control of your mind, it took me a fucking long time to do this. It took me a long time to come out of my shell and stop giving a shit about what people think. Do you know how long I spent in a cave, sat there going, what if, like, what if somebody says this about me? And I'm like, do you know what? I don't fucking care. I literally don't care. And I'm sorry about the profanity, but it's the reason why you started this podcast. It's the reason why you three came together. It's the reason why Tom calls out people's bullshit on Instagram. It's all the same reason because the values that you have is you don't care. You live by virtue and you live by the foundation that you want to live a, fruit, a fruitful, virtuous life. You want to be, your vitality and wellness is important to you. My mental health is important to me and I don't suffer with anything. Never have done. Never have done. I'm very fortunate in that respect that I've been surrounded by incredible people that have stopped me from going into that place. And the reason, one of the biggest factors is because I've taken control of my mind and it's allowed me to write my thoughts into abstract things. Once they become abstract, they're no longer stuck in your head. What happens when things are stuck in your head when you're laying in bed? Straight away, Tom already alluded to it today. Andy already alluded to it. Bill, you alluded to it. If things are stuck in your head, guess what? You can't sleep. What happens when you can't sleep? You think about going to sleep. And then you think about thinking about sleeping and you're like, why the fuck am I thinking about thinking about thinking about sleeping? So you get out of bed and then you fucking have a word with yourself. And it goes back all into this. This has stopped me thinking about things. It allows me to put it into abstract thought. And it will only ever be positive shit that goes in it. Only. What am I grateful for? What are my wins? How can I make impact the next day? Does that mean that I'm an elite fucking... I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm not a fucking Gary V. I'm not a whoever. Fucking virgin active Bill Gates, whoever you want to call yourself. I'm not that type of person. But what I do give a shit about is I give a fucking shit about my health. And if I want to be 110 years old, which is a goal, if I want to be 110 years old and be able to run down the street at 90 years old with my children, I need to do this because it aligns with my why. And it, whatever you think, it really doesn't matter whatever you think. It's got to be powerful. It might be whatever you want to call it, but... This gets filled every day and it's just one page, one page every day just to write down my thoughts, write down whatever it is, what, whatever I'm, my next project, whatever. Do you feel that when you write something down on paper that there's some, so kind of getting a bit spiritual here, but no, like more psychology, but yeah. there's power in something physically materializing. So when that exits your brain and actually onto paper, onto something physical, it suddenly exists. Yes, because it's become abstract. And if you want to get into the, I don't want to tarnish what it is that it is. Because yes, it might be a little bit spiritual. Like, I get there is, it. There is psychology yeah, there is, there is, There is, of course there is. And it's, it, I don't want to go down that pathway because some people just ain't spiritual. And that's fine. I am not spiritual and I'm not religious in any way. If that's you, that's fine. What I am is somebody that is trying to be better. I'm trying to be better in myself, mentally and physically. And if that means writing that down and making it abstract and it stops me stressing about things, going back to Andy's point of stress management, if it stops me stressing about things because I've written down 
page after page after page of what it is in this book that's allowing me to write my thoughts down and not worry about it, I'm then gonna reduce the cortisol response inside my body. So I, I had that headley from being from being injured for quite a few years. Uh, I dealt with sort of anxiety of not being not being good enough. Like why are these like I could function normally, but I couldn't function nor like like perform physically because of my like shins and that. So I was going through this process of like why why why, and then I I got put onto like an anger management course. Uh, not like with people or anything like that. It was just the fact that it was internal. And uh, yeah, it's kind of the same thing. So I'd go at the end of the day and I would split the page in half and it would be things that I can deal with, things that I couldn't deal with, sort of like what I could have control of, what I can't have Fucking control of. Um, and it was, and it was, you'd write them down and then at the end of the day, sort of an hour to two hours before you'd sort of sack, like sack the day off and you just want to, and you, you'd, you could go through each one and just have a quick explanation of going, right, okay, sort of uh, that guy that guy flipped me off as he like cut the corner. That really upset me. Can I do anything about it? No. All right, so I put it into a bracket. Why can't I do anything about it? Because I can't go to him. I can't speak to him about it. Why am I letting it play on my mind? Don't know. Right, let's leave it. Let's put it. We've put it to paper. It's been dealt with. And that's the, the the mechanism of, of dealing with it yeah so i, I get you where you're i'm gonna give you a tool here. i quite like it it's not spiritual it's a process it's a it's process a, it's a process of being able to and like you say it may work it may not I, it took me a while to understand the process of why i'm doing what i'm doing but writing it down after like time and time again it became like a pattern and i kind of felt like i understood every time i i wrote something down good or bad you know, uh, it might be a case of like, oh yeah, I missed, I, I missed my rehab this morning. Okay. What can I do about it? Well, actually I can go to bed a little bit earlier next time. I can get up a little bit earlier yes. next time and I can get in early and hit exactly. it harder. So I could definitely understand that point. And, and you writing it down, it's a little bit like accountability because saying it, you, you can say whatever you like. It doesn't mean anything, but when you write it down, you, you, you physically giving yourself accountability. And then the next day, if you didn't hit that accountability, You've got evidence there of saying that it didn't happen. Why didn't it happen? So, yeah. I'm going to jump on the back end of what you said. There's three notebooks there. Fucking hell. Three. Like, just full of them. Full of fucking pens. Do you know what, mate? Do you know how the fact that you've just shown a little bit of vulnerability, just a little bit of vulnerability, and you don't have to go spiritual because that's not the case, but you've shown a little bit of vulnerability. I'm not even joking you. Do you have any idea how much that will resonate with every single serving soldier that you come into, come into contact with? And this is the reason why. This is called delayed gratification. Okay? Every single day, like you just said, I write on this post-it note something that really got me going. Like, like you did. Somebody flicking me off. Somebody being a prick. Whatever. Something I disagreed with. This then goes in here. It, yes, it's called delayed gratification. So it should be about what you're grateful for. I actually use it because it allows me to go back and see some of the stupid shit that I was pissed at. This goes into the jam jar. After a month, it gets emptied. We read the post-it notes that are all in there. And then do you know what we do with them? Stick them in the bin. Yeah. Somebody might go, what a fucking waste of time. Yeah. But guess what? That process that I put into place, that's why I'm getting a good night's sleep every night. 
That's why yeah, I'm recovering. It makes yeah. me feel fucking good. If you going into the gym and beating the shit out of a punch bag makes you feel good and you picture that aggression, that's all well and good. But guess what? It's still up here in the head. It's still stuck in your mind. Although you've punched a punch bag physically, it's still here. You're still going to stew on it. Me, just write it. And it goes in the bin after 30 days. I read all of them after 30 days. And then I go, why? Because what, what do we do normally? We stress about something. Next morning, it's <laughs> kind of like, what was yeah. that all about? We do it with problems, don't we? Like, let's take, for instance, an officer would be like, oh, fucking, oh, can't wait for that. And you're like, oh, in your head, you're like, shit, 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 shit. And you just play on this stress. Exactly. And then the next day, they'll be like, oh, oh it didn't matter. And you're like, oh, my God, it mattered to me. It all come, that yeah. all came from this for me. The, the fact that you can't control whatever you want to call it, but you can't, this is control in your mind. Knowing that low everything in your life is pretty much out of your control. You cannot control, there's very little you can control. The thing that you do have a control over is your choice. And your choice to put that shit in your head is going to have an effect on all of this sleep stuff we've just spoken about. So if I take that choice and go, I'm going to make a choice and put it onto a bit of paper, like you did, Andy, when you split your page in half, and look at the differences made. You are now in this position you're in now, talking about this to help somebody else because it helped you. And it's exactly what I'm doing. And whether it's the aggregation of marginal gains and looking at delay gratification, whether it's journaling, whether it's reading a book, whatever, that is taking control of your mind. That is clearing your head. And the clearing the head concept is you taking this weapon system and shooting the shit out of that piece of paper. Just for our listeners, Dean was holding up a pen. Yeah, um, just yeah, sorry. Have fun that. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> He's not, ho- he's not <laughs> holding a weapon. Mm, okay. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't need to be an investigation. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the guards have better check their stores. Oh goodness me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The GPMG mission. Oh. <laughs> Careful where you go with that story. They're already in a <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So, so taking the pen and shooting the paper. Like, just getting everything that I can, like Andy's done. But we talk about this vulnerability, and even at the ripe old age of 34, I'm still learning about myself. I'm still learning about how to get better sleep. I'm still learning how to be a better husband, a better wife, a better wife, better husband, a better father. I'm still learning how to be a better athlete. Still learning how to be a better coach. Nobody's fucking perfect. I ain't perfect at all this. I'm not perfect in my power down hour, my managing my munchies. I've just plowed through a packet of sweets and that was at about eight o'clock so i might be all right but this is what i'm referring to we're talking about this stuff we're just human beings but guess what we go back to the 80 20 rule i don't do that all the time that's once in a blue moon but i tell you what i still sleep great tonight because i'll still go through my power down hour i'll still do my routines and habits and put them into place and all of this compound effect is what is going to yield the biggest return and do you know what? People will pay lip service to it. It's fine. It's, do you know what? It doesn't matter. Because for me, I don't care. If it can help one person, I've done my job. If that means it's helped one of us four in this room, brilliant. If it's helped me by talking about it, if it's helped you guys by listening about it, whatever. That's good. We've made impact. I've loved that. I mean, I think they're really good uh, good points there. Um, I think I'm definitely going to have to 
turn that into a video i think we'll probably if you uh, go on our youtube channel there's gonna be i'm, I'm gonna have to do it now because i'm saying it i'm probably gonna break it down yeah, we're gonna have all those four points you. in one big whopping that's i mean that's probably about 45 minutes of talking there in that one section of what points one to four but that i mean fuck me i've been sitting there potential book thing potential yeah it's powerful stuff that i mean that was um that was really fucking powerful that i mean if anyone was listening they could definitely take action i mean I'm, i feel like i'm gonna take some action just from listening to that Um, we'll move on to a bit of a summary now. So what else can you do apart from all those absolute knowledge bombs Dean's just dropped there? So, well, you can't really hack sleep. And when I say hack sleep, I'm talking about things like Beam and some of the more controversial products out there, which tell you it will make you fall asleep in a second or blah, blah, blah. Um, but what you can do is you can make your situation as comfortable as possible. Uh, you can get as much as you can. You can try and make it as consistent as possible. And you can also take note of all the points Dean mentioned uh, just there as well. I want to quickly touch on Salazar. We, we laughed about earlier when I mentioned it was... Um, Blue light. Blue light blocking glasses. Now, I want to quickly mention this because Tom... Tom, Fuck <laughs> off. Uh, I, I'm not convinced by blue light blocking glasses. No. And even the more expensive yeah. ones because you can get the you can get the polarised orange ones and they cost like fucking 90 quid. But I'm not quite convinced with them. Does it help eye strain? No. Does it help sleep? In my opinion, no. The science suggests that it doesn't. Yeah. How much you pay for them, Tom? How much you have to pay for them, mate? Look, it's not a, it's not about the price. It's about the placebo effect. <laughs> the placebo. Ah, so, I bought these. I bought these blue light glasses. Bias, bias. Uh, because I was spending a hell of a lot of time in front of the screen because of you guys, and uh, I literally <laughs> ordered the glasses. And forty minutes later, a notification pops up on my fin for whenever like a new hot study comes through, and it was literally. Blue light glasses do, yeah, fuck all, basically. I saw your Instagram <laughs> post on this. You put it on stories, didn't you? Yeah. I saw you because yeah. you put up, I've just bought these fantastic glasses. Oh, fuck. I've just no, put look. up this post. <laughs> Absolute. But you know what? Uh, kind of like what you said there, Dean, as well, about what the evidence suggests. There are papers on how these kind of relate to sleep at night as well. Once again, evidence isn't really promising. A lot of it is subjective. Um, I mean, it's the thing, a lot about how we perceive our sleep quality. So not in regards to how long we actually sleep for, but in sleep quality, a lot of that is how we perceive it as well, kind of like how we detect, well, how much does this have an effect on DOMS? A lot of it is perception, so it can be really bloody hard to monitor. But I mean, yeah, blue light glasses doesn't really seem like, yeah, a, a big deal. I mean, if, we, if we're summarising, like, I did manage to come to a paper just in time this morning. And basically, this is, so this is actually from the the British Journal of Sports Medicine, and this is a consensus statement. Sleep and athletes, so this is in the context of athletes, a narrative review and 2021 expert consensus and recommendations. So when we kind of like look at sleep, da, 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 bear me one second, I've got uh, control F, box, free, bingo. There we go. So when we talk about sleep education there's five tips to educate athletes on the importance of sleep according to this paper so bearing in mind this is 2021 early this year so this is like the most recent evidence we have in regards to sleep on athletes so it is recommended we, we spoke a lot about like sleep duration at the moment a common consensus is that the appropriate amount of sleep for healthy adults is seven to nine hours 
For teenagers, it's recommended 8 to 10 hours. However, experts speculate that athletes need more to recover from the physical and psychological demands of sport. Not just more, so that, yeah. the quality. Because the four phases of sleep are really yes. important. Remember, we've got four phases of REM sleep and then you've got the light phase as well. So for an athlete, we want them to accure more time in REM in the REM cycle. So that's yeah. what we're trying to get. So yeah, we've got qual uh, duration of sleep, but then also quality, which is kind of what you just touched on there. Because how often have we slept for fucking ages? But and it's been felt shit. like shit. <laughs> exactly. And Andy Wait, sorry to up. interrupt quickly. I want to. So that, I mentioned an app at the start of the podcast called Sleep Cycle. Now we're talking about Dima's mentioned the different stages of sleep. Now this app kind of shows you what it's, what your stages of sleep kind of are. So if, if you can see that graph, that was me last night. So that was my. You can see that I'm all over the fucking place. Can you see that? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. So I'm all over yeah. the fucking all over the place according to this app. So you can see the very top is where I was awake and the bottom is a deep sleep. So all night I was all over the place. My sleep quality was eighty four percent. You still had an eighty four percent recovery. And this is why you can't use you can't use that as Yeah. As, as a gauge a, of your sleep yeah, quality. It's just it's yes, it might yeah. give you an objective reading, but is it objective? Because then you have to look at well, how am I feeling? So just going back to this consensus here, Bill, this kind of goes hand in hand with what we was talking about last week in regards to no suppose. So it also suggests here, caution when using sleep monitors. Caution must be taken to understand the impact of the feedback from the device to the individual athlete. Some athletes may become preoccupied with their sleep monitor data, which may increase anxiety around sleep and result in worse sleep. So kind of like what we were saying earlier, Dean, you know, the, the more desperate you are to get to sleep, the more fucking stressed you become. Word. <laughs> it's like a, a double-edged sword, isn't it? You know, so, you know, Bill, you've no suppose yourself. Andy, you know suppose yourself last week with GoWod. Bill, you've no suppose yourself this week with your sleep. I don't know what's going to happen next week with me. We just have to wait and see. What do you mean in Go... What, what do you do with GoWod? Ah, so GoWod... So I... Oh. I, I, I going to the podcast, I cancelled <laughs> it there and then on 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 the, on the show... Really? We can't, I cancelled it. Yeah, I cancelled it. Because we was talking about how it could be no CB. Ah, yeah. with the so, assessment tool and the, the percentages. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm glad you said that, Andy, because I've got on mine overhead as a weakness. And it's funny. It's funny because my overhead ability is pretty good. When I do a banded dislocate, I've got overhead mobility, but stability is something I need to work on. And they don't measure that. They don't measure stability. They take into account mobility only. That's and interesting. It gives you that negative expectation. Yeah. Well, the difference with you, Dean, you used it for a different uh, reason, didn't you? Like, you use it at night as like a end of the day. Yeah, thing. it's a recovery protocol. Whereas... It's just something that it's it's an intervention. But if you rely on it, so yeah. I wasn't using it as much as I wasn't using it as much as I should have used it. Maybe uh, that was one of them. But I was too. Do you know what? I'd miss it. I'd I'd miss a day, and again, it was stressful yeah. that I'd missed it. I'm paying for something. Why am I not using it? Oh, do you know what? And then it was like. It just, I just became like, it became a chore to have to go even and do it. So for me, like you said, it, it, they talk about like the non-negotiables. It, it wasn't negotiable for me. I was like, am I benefiting yeah, I know what from you mean. it? Like, cause no. you could literally so just not... lay on the floor and do a couple of stretches and probably feel better that way because you've <laughs> instigated yeah. it, not, a, well, not an app. Yeah. That makes sense. That yeah, makes sense. yeah. 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 So just to quickly finish up here, uh, daytime sleep quantity slash naps. We've already spoken about naps, but once again, the consensus here is that, uh, yeah, napping can supplement insufficient nighttime sleep. 
but a nap can also be beneficial for those wanting a boost in alertness. So yep, naps are a go. Uh, so just as a run, reminder for that, the effective or the most significant difference was when you had a nap of 35 to 45 minutes, I think it was. Yeah, 45 um, the golden nap. Good sleep hygiene. So this is something else you spoke about, Dean. So yeah, common sleep hygiene habits include avoiding stimulants such as caffeine, um, you know, such as Cannonball Coffee, where Maximum Charge is the strongest caffeinated drink in the UK, and you can use our discount code uh, PRIMAL10 for 10% off. Uh, alcohol fits under that as well, um, which Cannonball Coffee also has its own rum, may I add. You can use Coach no. Dean for 10% discount. <coughs> oh, fucking hell. Oh. <laughs> right, Dean's won this, because that just came out of nowhere. <laughs> I haven't tried He's the rum. Been... I need to know how the rum is. This podcast is going to sound very weird when I edit all of Dean's talking out now, isn't it? It's going to... Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> What's it like? Tom, give us a... It's quite strong. Have you just had some? <laughs> yeah. Right, so no caffeine or alcohol, it recommends, which is, you know, okay, this has both, it's rum and it's coffee, so brilliant. Uh, so no, you have fuck it, everything my... that we've just spoken about on this... Yeah, you've done the complete opposite. So it's now... Yeah, look at him, though. It was worth it. <laughs> that felt like napalm. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, Coffee and rum. Has anybody in this room taken Jack 3D? No. I've heard of it. You've never uh, taken Jack 3D as a free workout. It's banned, isn't it? it? So, yes, because it used to have speed amphetamine in it. So the only reason I'm saying that is because you look like I did after I used to take Jack 3D. It gives you like... Just on your, <sighs> just on your amphetamine. Yes. <sighs> Ready to rock. <laughs> um, another one uh, here mentioned is heavy meals too close to bedtime, which I, f- I think we spoke about earlier as well. Um, do you know what? Actually, especially in regards to, because we were talking about how sleep can impact fat loss as well, weight loss. So I know there's this whole thing about, oh, you not eating before 6 p.m. is a myth. Okay, don't get me wrong. Calories in, calories out is kin when it comes to weight loss in the day. But... It may help you if fat loss is your goal to avoid eating late at night because it may interfere with your sleep. So yeah, so don't get me wrong, Seco is kin, but at the same time, me personally, I recommend not to eat late at night, and that's got nothing to do with you know carbs are bad because of six pm etc. Um, but yeah, another one, uh, you know, adequate exposure to natural light in the morning, not lying in bed awake for long periods of time, having a relaxing bedtime routine, which once again you've uh, alluded to, Dean, and having a sleep environment conducted to sleep, which is cool, dark and quiet, which is what you mentioned earlier, Bill. Um, this is quite an interesting one, actually. Sleep and train in line with chronotype. Adolescents are more likely to be evening chronotypes, also known as night owls, due to later melatonin release. The research shows athletes are more likely to be morning chronotypes, also known as larks, but those who are night owls struggle more with sleep. When possible, avoiding training times early in the morning and late at night allows ample opportunity for sleep and recovery. Um, Funny enough, that actually kind of goes hand in hand with something I read earlier as well about for some people who exercise late at night, it can definitely interfere with with their, you know, their sleep I can uh, so yeah, I mean, I've, yeah I've got a paper here 100% from young... I can vouch for that so I went through a phase of training from I've been doing it a little bit recently but training from 6.30 and not finishing until like 9 for weightlifting Wait, yeah like some weightlifting sessions can take a bit of time especially if you're resting oh god yeah through and going through through those prescriptions finishing at 9 was frying me frying me I had to take 
I had to cut it down and say eight o'clock is the cutoff. Let's get it done. Yeah. I mean, Yunstead 2021, so once again, a really recent paper here, uh, testing the sleep hygiene recommendation against nighttime exercise. Conclusion, profound sleep disturbance after exercise in some participants and no marked sleep improvement in the others provides some support for caution regarding late night exercise for sedentary individuals with insomnia. So that is, yeah, I would have a cut off time, kind of like what you recommended. Yeah, thing. good. I'd be interested to know if any of you use any supplements as your bedtime routine. And the reason I ask... I sometimes take ZMA. Yeah, so that's what I was going to say. So is anybody taking magnesium? Because, you know, we... In the past, I have, yeah. No, I'm a whole foods guy. Natural holistic health. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, I eat kale. Mm. There has been a lot of positive... (laughs) Positive... And and I'm sure Tom will back me up with this with magnesium's use. You know, I think it's 300 and... 350 milligrams to 500 milligrams. Um, I'm not sure on the dosage, mate, but so yeah, that's it's, the it's daily, relaxant, isn't it? Yeah, that's the daily dosage. And I think most supplements are in and around... They're quite high. The, I mean, mine's fucking... I'm pretty sure it's pretty high. From I've yeah, and if you, so if, if you get a ZMA and you get... Because there's loads of different... There's different types of mineral, different types of magnesium. We've got magnesium citrate, magnesium... Yeah. Or like, like the whole host of different ones. And yeah, I get you. If you get a good compound magnesium supplement, that's actually been shown to help you with your sleep regulation, but I don't know how deep. Well, have you have you ever taken? Have you so whenever I've taken ZMA, I actually notice that my dreams become fucking mad, like really vivid. Do you know where crazy. that happens? Maybe that's because <laughs> that, that happens in your REM sleep as well. Like you, yeah. So that's maybe why it's made the magnesium or the, the magnesium in the ZMA is giving me into that REM cycle better because it's, it's yes. I must have no magnesium because I just literally go to bed and then the next minute I wake up. That's it. <laughs> shit i'm but i'm literally buying some now so Z- yeah <laughs> so zma as well because we we are as a population we're deficient in magnesium we're deficient in vitamin d and we're deficient in a number of like vitamin b12 for example like these things can be useful supplements as a health protocol but again you need to put the other shit into place first don't you there's no use doing all this without having the other shit so but with magnesium, ZMA on two hours sleep. Yeah, exactly. And Z, that's what if you're taking ZMA at four in the morning before you go into sleep, waking up at six and doing command and officers PT, you're a bit of a plonker for doing that. But MDMA, MDMA, different game. But ZMA, <laughs> ZMA. When I was taking it, Bill, I was exactly the same. Like dreams were so vivid. I was coming out of. I, I, do you know what? The, I think the worst time was when we were going through some crazy ass Walking Dead marathon. We would watch walking dead like it was going out of fashion and you then immerse yourself in that nightmares and i was in shit state i was like shit what is going on waking up and like completely like was that real what happened rachel <laughs> talking to my wife like <laughs> what happened are we still here you like you look out your window and you see your zombified neighbor walking past nope it is real no <laughs> could you imagine but so zmas yeah in- interesting but i think a good magnesium compound um forgive me i do have it's fairly cheap as well isn't it it's not it's not like an expensive and that's what i'm saying it's a really cheap supplement as with creatine but nature made magnesium um is quite good nature made magnesium is one of the higher higher um you get them on amazon for like five quid yeah yeah Yeah, it's next to nothing but something like that is really useful for Mm. for putting into your diet and then not forgetting why magnesium can help you sleep what el- what other th- factors it's good for and as a mineral 
it's going to be quite a useful supplement to add into your diet. But, but naturally, check out like the, the the dosage per kilogram of body weight for that. Yeah, that's, that's something I'm going to check out afterwards. Days quite handy to know. Point. Yeah, I'm sure. If I remember rightfully, it's like 350 to 500 milligrams. Yeah, um, it's, it's something like that. It might be more, um, but it's around about that per day. I'll tell you what. Um, since we're on the subject of supplements, someone did ask me the other day what I thought about probiotics, and it's not really something I've really looked into before. But when I was kind of doing my research for this uh, this episode, I did come across one paper, which kind of showed that probiotic supplementation in regards to you know rugby players, it did have like favourable results on their sleep quality, or at least their perceived sleep quality. Is that so the digestion drug? Well. So it's, it's I honestly so don't the, know, their mate. Gut. But so basically, maybe it's their, their they gut had overnight. they had three groups. In one group, they had you know one taking like a, a daily probiotic. Another was a placebo, of course, and the other was uh, there's no way I can pronounce this, but it's, 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 yeah, I can't pronounce that. But yeah, in actual probiotic group, there was like yeah, favorable um, favorable results in regards to sleep quality on rugby players. So yeah, that might be something to consider as well. Has anybody got any more points to add on sleep before we wrap this up? Because I'm fully aware we've been going for a very, very long time. <laughs> it's important. So I'm just going to jump in so people can hear it. But so the average, for example, 19 to 30 year old, your old adults, male, you're looking at about 400 milligrams a day, female, 310. And then from 30 up to 50, you're looking around 420 for male, 320 for female. But again, these are just guidelines. So this is just something yeah. I've just searched for on the, on the web. But Bingo, but there you go. Though. That might just help somebody. But yeah, magnesium. Um, but yeah, other than that, no, yeah. I think it's... Uh, Dean, really, really um, great for you coming on today's episode. It's been fucking... It's probably, I think it's your... Out of the three, it's probably the best one you've done, I think, from the information you give out. I appreciate it was solid. That. That, was a, that was a really good you, episode, that. You are the Sandman, of, Dean. Thank you, Ben. Love that, man. A lot of people are going to hopefully enjoy that. I'm fully aware it's going to be a long episode, but I, you know, fucking, I really hope people have found some value from that. Maybe you yeah. can, uh, or maybe you can wind down to it at night. <laughs> wind down to it at night. Well, maybe that's the complete opposite of what we said. <laughs> but make make sure if you are winding down to this, you don't fall asleep before you hear that we have a discount code of 10% for Cannonball Coffee, which is Primal 10 Numericals. And Dean, I heard you have a discount code for Cannonball <laughs> Coffee. I don't know what you're on about. Sorry, I'm not sure. I forgot it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to step on your feet, man. Um, Primal <laughs> Ten is Primal Ten for Cannibal Coffee is a great, great, great buy. Like you really ought to, guys. Lads, it's been a pleasure as always. Uh, Dean, thanks again for coming on, and I'll speak to you all again very, very soon. Goodbye. Adios. Boys. In a bit. As always, thanks for listening. We hope you take us a value from that, and that you can turn some of the words spoken today into action to improve your sleep. I've got some more action before we go for the week. If you do enjoy our content and you find it entertaining and useful, my request is that you share the pod with five other people, whether that's friends or family or just sharing it on social media. We'd really appreciate that support. We're trying to push the right information out there and avoid the spread of misinformation. So the more we can hear it, the better. Anyway, we will see you next week, same time, same place for a brand new episode. See you soon. (laughs) 